Admiral Byrd. And if oh, you Byrd, B Y R D. And if you Google like his um it's called his um his he was a pilot? He was a yeah, he was an airline pilot, like a big uh, admiral in the Air Force. Yeah. yeah. And uh his diary or his diary is not the word I'm looking for, but it's like his diary. He was like a, he had a journal, like a journal, right. Yeah. It's, not, it it's all journal. true too. Yeah. And then when you put everything that we know now with that well, did you see that uh, on one of these one of these shows that we have like some kind of base in the North Pole? I think it is, and uh, apparently like a a, a medical uh, medical base is somewhere, and then the Air Force is somewhere else. And some guy in the medical field was very sick, and <clears throat> he, the Air Force had to go get him and bring him to a hospital. And they told he was ordered not to go the direct route; he has to go around. And he followed orders. He went around, uh, which was way out of the way. When he got the guy, the guy was going DOA. So he said, fuck it, I'm going the wrong way, which is the short way, which is the unauthorized way. And when he rode up, drove over, he actually saw the hole in the earth. And he talked he saw about it? it? He saw the hole in the earth. And he said, that's why they wouldn't fucking let me go over that way. Because they didn't want to see the hole in the earth. So it's like, the, it's they're crazy. probably just freaked out because... Well, you know, you know, the Pope put it into Catholic religion. What do you do? Yeah, the Pope he put it in. Uh, if there are aliens that we still have a God, is that, that? not like in, in the Pope added it to like his scripture stuff. So when you go on Sundays, that like in Italy, they bring up uh, other life yeah. and, and they pray to the other life to God to yeah. bless them. <laughs> are you shitting me? I swear. Well, he just went to some world order. Did you see that? Yeah, he's the fucking crazy. This guy. He was. Yeah. Praying to fucking trees, <laughs> yeah. American Indians. I think maybe he's on a little bit too much DMT. He's a Jesuit too, you know. Yeah, uh, motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, but at least he put it in. We'll give him that. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, come on. That's as long as he doesn't fucking molest anybody yeah. while he's in there and make fucking. us look even worse. This motherfuckers. They got the record, right? Unbelievable, man. <laughs> really we got the least alcoholics ever because you start drinking at seven in Italy, right? But you got fucking popes raping kids left and right. Yeah. But. <laughs> I guess you can't have it all, right? Oh, that's sick, man. Sick shit. Okay. All right. All right. We got Mike Hodell in. New book out, Alpha, right? Right. What you made? You made that after uh, the city, right? Is that oh. why you, you named the book that? Alphaville, yeah. After Alphabet City. Terrible place, huh? At uh, least when you were there. Um. Yeah. Tough place. Really tough. So, you just came from New York. How bad is it really? Being that you just left, you know, we see it from here or people watching from wherever they're at and the clips on the news with the locking up everything, you know, and that lady that, uh, at the, well, was that at the airport where that poor subway. woman, Subway. She got stomped. And she had a little daughter and everything. Yeah, terrible. What What are they doing with that guy? Um, he had been released. He had been arrested many times prior to that incident. Um, now they arrested him. I'm not sure if they let him out. There's no bail, so... You know, they're letting, they're let, uh, as you know, they're letting everyone out of jail. That's the bottom line. So no matter what you do, you get bail. You don't even have to produce bail. They're just letting you out. And you have to promise basically to come back to court on the day that they want you to come back. Yeah. No matter what. No matter what. <laughs> it's, it's like the border. It's amazing. They don't, they took, um, they took any, uh, the judge has no say in the matter basically. Wow, and and who can make that decision? The mayor or the governor? Or? Yeah, well, the city council put it into law, and the, you know, was signed, and the governor. Um, yeah, 
man, I, I'd like to go back to New York City. I mean, they already took my Rainbow Room away. <laughs> Remember that when it was there? Yeah, absolutely. Was that a bad place? I mean, uh, our cop. No, nah, not really. It wasn't too bad, no, right? No, no. Good view, though. Yeah. <laughs> Why to close, you know? No, I don't know. Maybe the boss, maybe the owner got whacked by somebody. <laughs> he was right in a tough area, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, having you been a cop and you have an amazing story, which we're going to get to, correct me if I'm wrong. On the search warrant for Trump, they have to, whether you're red, purple, green, blue, who cares? Right. right? Just fact, based on the fact. Don't they have to specify where they're searching? They can't just say, hey, go search everywhere. They have to say this room, that room, the basement. They probably said we're searching every area that these documents or papers can possibly be. Like, would that hold up? And like, if you yeah. appeal that to a third circuit or supreme, would that hold up? Um, because they had, they probably had to have been. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that the inside information was correct or legitimate, but they're saying, I'm sure they're saying they had inside information from an associate or somebody that seen the documents and said that the documents were here. They could have been there. The documents may have been here at some point, and that's why they would search. They could search several rooms. So then that, that would be a way that they could get away with it without it being written down. Right. Wow. I've never seen one like that. Have you seen many like that where they're just like search everywhere? Well, I mean, if you're going to do a drug, a drug, let's just make a drug. If you're going to uh, do a warrant on, a, on an apartment looking for drugs, yeah, you go in and you look for the drugs wherever they are because they could be anywhere. Right. But that would be like a DA case which you got involved with later. But yeah. I mean, we're talking about like a paper, a folder. I mean, I know it's a big deal, but. I don't know. It just. Seems I mean, crazy. like I said, I think they're trying to. I think they would have to be saying that they have some kind of information. They can't just hit a, a door, knock a door down, especially obviously, an ex-president. So they have to be saying somebody on the inside told them that they saw documents here, maybe there. They could be here, and they went in. Uh, they you, you would think they'd at least call the lawyers and say, "Hey, look, if you don't produce this in ten days, we're knocking down the door." Right. Just, just based whether you like him, hate him, just based on the fact that he's the president, you're right. going to make. Let's look even worse to other countries, which we already look terrible to. Right. Give him a call. Give him 10 days. Then he doesn't come. Then then what can... There's no appeal. There's no fight. There's no nothing. You warned him. Right. Well, I think the, I think they did. I think Trump's lawyer brought them whatever material he thought they were looking for. I think they set him up. Yeah. Like they do. Like they have been for the last six years or yeah. whatever with the Russia and everything else. Absolutely. So now if I could give you the keys to New York, what, what are some things you would do... <clears throat> if you were in control, to clean that up, to clean all that mess up that's going on right now, the stealing, the beatings, the no bail, all the bullshit. Well, the first thing I would do is I would get the governor to repeal this no bail law. So people get arrested, um, depending on what they did, you leave it up to the judge's discretion whether you want them to post bail or not. That's number one. Number two, I'd bring back the uh, broken window policy that Giuliani implemented years ago and basically that's locking up people that are doing anything wrong you know um, of course there's always discretion a cop always has discretion but somebody's writing graffiti and I don't mean lock him up put him in jail for 50 years you grab him and you give him a summons you run his name in the computer if he has a warrant then he goes to jail for the warrant a guy is uh, something minor let's just say a window uh, cleaning the windows in the, you know, on 42nd street you can't do that. You lock, give him a summons, disorderly conduct, whatever, blocking traffic. 
give him a summons. Again, if he has a warrant, you lock him up. And those are the same guys that are breaking into vehicles. <clears throat> those are the same guys that are robbing people on, on Times Square. They're all the same people. You know, they're all, And that's how Giuliani cl- cleaned it up. Bring comps that back where you hold the precinct commander responsible for the crime in his area. Yeah, what happened to that? <clears throat> that went out the window. I mean, they still got it, but they don't, you know, they don't imp- imp- implement it the right way. When when did you see it to start to go really downhill? Um, geez, I guess when Bloomberg got it, when Bloomberg. Well, actually, when they started to make a major issue out of stop questioning first. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, that see, makes sense. stop questioning first was always, um, I don't know, it was always around, but it was never a statistic. So, if I grab somebody, they want you to do a report. I never did the report, to be honest. Unless I thought this guy was going to make an issue out of it, then maybe I would do one. But I would never make a report. But then they made, um, they made the cops do a report for everybody to grab, and make it like a a positive stat. So they wanted you to go out and grab ten guys a month, let's just say, and put it on your activity report that you stop questioned ten guys, and that's when it became a problem. When you know, first of all, every stop is in a every time you grab a person or stop them you don't have to frisk them you don't have to pat them down you know if I grab you and you look like you're up to something then I'm going to grab you and frisk you throw you against the wall <clears throat> and if you have nothing and then you seem legit I'll let you go you know I'll just kick, say goodbye um, right but you're not going out there with a the number 10 right, right. and it, looking around right. <clears throat> half your month or whatever for the 10 people that you're going right. to go up to grab that probably you normally would never do but you know they want the report, right? So now you start that, and then I can I can see how that would just turn into a snowball effect. That's exactly what happened. But what? But it was meant to be where if, like you just said, if you're doing patrol or whatever you're doing, you know, undercover, whatever it may be, and you see something that doesn't look right, then you make that decision from your experience. Do I go up and stop and check them out and see what's going on? Right. It's a proactive tool basically right you see a bunch of guys hang out in front of the building you know they were i mean you, pot's legal now obviously but years ago you see a bunch of guys in front of the building you figure they're smoking pot or you smell it you grab them you talk to them <clears throat> or you just toss them you, you know and you come up with some pot and you lock you give them a summons bring them in whatever now like down here i think uh i think it was true one of the medical marijuana stores i'm not sure which one and I don't want to say until I know which one, but somewhere between the grower and the medical marijuana store, fentanyl got in the marijuana. Wow. So now somebody had gone in to the marijuana store, smoked it, and it was laced with fentanyl. Man. And it came right from this episode. It was brought to you by Fiji. More than just water. This is not just rock. It's ancient volcanic rock that filters tropical rain, giving it double the electrolytes and its signature soft, smooth taste. It's not just water, it's Fiji water. This podcast is brought to you by Monster Energy. Tear into a can of the meanest energy drink on the planet, Monster Energy. It's the ideal combo of the right ingredients in the right proportion to deliver a big bad buzz that only Monster can. Monster packs a powerful punch, has a smooth, easy drinking flavor. Athletes, musicians, co-eds, road warriors, metalheads, geeks, hipsters, and bikers dig it. You will too. Monster Energy is more than just the green OG. Monster has Monster Ultra, Juice Monster, Monster Hydro, Rehab Monster, Dragon Tea, Monster Max, Muscle Monster, and many more. Buy on Amazon. Buy on Walmart. 
or go to monsterenergy.com and believe me, you'll find a place. Unleash the beast. Monster Energy. The store. Holy mackerel. So, I mean, that's just insane. And there's only one grower in Florida. They made it so there's only one right now. Wow. <clears throat> so then somewhere in between that grower and that store, something went wrong because all the other stores are getting the same, you know? Is fentanyl really out of, out of insane in New York like it is here? Yeah. It is, too. It's so on top of all that. You got to deal with that. <coughs> yeah, and they just made a big arrest with uh, fentanyl that looked like uh, looked like candy. I, ju- I had just seen that guy. I felt so bad for him. His, his kid, just, he was in college, smart kid, played football or something, you know, had a little bit of pain or maybe went to the dentist, so- something that didn't make any sense. And he just, you know, he ran out of perks and he took a perk. Well, Boom. Laced with uh, fentanyl, killed him right then and there. What happened to the guys with the marijuana and the fentanyl? I don't know. <coughs> they, they they just they, they made it real quick. You know what I mean? It was like a real bleep type of thing. Like wow. okay, this happened, but you won't hear it on. But I mean, do you know if they if they die, if they did they go DOA? No, they didn't die. Oh. No, they they just overdosed and they were able to, to get them back. Wow. Which I don't like. Then they're putting it in cocaine. Why would you put fentanyl? Yeah, I don't fuck. I don't get it, man. Cocaine's up fentanyl down right. but i guess cheap and it looks good i don't know man i don't know it it's crazy i mean what do you, what would you do about the war on drugs how do you even i mean you fought it once and you did pretty damn good which we're gonna get to but now you got everything against you um again it starts i think with the with the bail you know that, that's just where it starts because people can just run rampant yeah right? yeah now when you were growing up as a teenager you know your dad's a cop you know you're hanging out, you're boxing, and you run into Gotti. And Gotti wants you to what heist a bar? It was actually Gotti's uh, top one of t- his got- top guys, a guy named Eddie Lino. And at this point, are you are you in that battle with your mind? Do I want to be a cop? Do I want to go the other way? I mean, um, you know what? It was actually something to do that was exciting. You know, my friends, we were just knocking around kids, having a good time, and wild. You know. And um, it was something to do. And I didn't know what I wanted to do actually in life, you know, job-wise, that, you know, the wrong side of the law. It wasn't, you know, it was just something to do. And one of, one of my friends was approached by the guy named Eddie Lino, who years later gets killed by the mafia cops on the Belt Parkway in Brooklyn, near my house. But um, Eddie Lino was a bad guy. He was a drug dealer, known drug dealer. Um, later on, you know, got to be a known killer for Gotti and... And just a tough guy, but he'd ask one of my friends to heist this closed-down bar. Basically, get all the machines out these Joker poker machines, cigarette machines. And um, one of my friends, and we weren't that close at the time. We had grown up together, then we went our own way. But we run into each other once in a while. He had asked me to go along with him and one of the other guys I knew. And um, again, it was just something to do, and it's kind of exciting, you know. And and knowing Eddie Lino was involved. I guess it was. Some, yeah, you know. you know, we're all young. We're yeah. intrigued by that yes. shit. Not not realizing what the end result 90% of the time is, right? right? Exactly. So now you're seeing that <clears throat> and you're seeing all the flash and the money. So what what's it like? Uh, I was reading in your book. One part you had said, uh, you know, you grew up around wise guys' sons left and right. They were all your friends. Yeah. So what is it? what are the sons of the wise guys like? Like when you're running around with them, what are they like versus, you know, just like the other average kid? You know, they would, um, again, they were wild kids. Uh, they didn't, um, and they had a lot of money. 
and they had nice cars. But they didn't throw it around who they were. Um, at least my my friends weren't weren't like that. Um, you know, we were 16, 17. Um, by 18, we were, I was kind of like straightened out a little bit. But we would go, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I kind of smartened up. But we would go to like 42nd Street and 8th Avenue, like, you know, the deuce. Mm -hmm. And it was bad, really bad. Really uh, perverted, really crazy. Crazy, man. I mean, I, I'm telling you, crazy. And we were young kids, you know, we had like really no right being there. You know, I mean, the shit we used to see as kids, um, the prostitutes, the pimps, the drug addicts, the, I mean, really gritty, gritty, the, the strip joints, the whole houses, um, the peep shows, you know, and we had nothing to do. And, you know, we'd get bored in Brooklyn and every Friday or every other Friday or Saturday, Friday, Saturday, we'd go there and we'd, uh, you know, hang out, look for trouble, and you know, trouble find. You know, trouble. Yeah, if you're yeah. looking for it, it will find it. Find you. Now, at that time, what year is that roughly? That was uh, seventy eight, seventy nine, eighty. So now, is Forty Second Street Mobran, or are they running everything there at that time? Yeah, it was, but we didn't, we didn't see that part of it. You know, they, them guys, they ran all the peep shows, and but you don't see them. You just see the smut basically and, and the low lives it's funny because when I saw that I had uh, Charlie in he's going to kill me because he's actually a good friend of mine I forget his last name but you know you know Charlie the dog guy I call him Charlie the dog guy no he uh, in downtown New York a dog got shot in the head <clears throat> everybody thought the dog was dead the dog went to witness protection program seriously no. for dog because a cop had so the owner of the dog had a seizure right both were homeless the dog and the man we're homeless. So the the guy goes on the ground. He's having a seizure. The dog won't leave his owner. Cop comes up, doesn't really know what's going on. You know, a lot of cops are around. A lot of people are around. He The cop doesn't know what, if the dog's going to attack him or not. Ask him to leave multiple times. You know, everybody's yelling and screaming and pops him in the head. So then the dog goes, whatever. So this guy, Charlie, who had owned a trash company, uh, Italian guy as well, he went on this mission because when he was a kid, he had lost the dog, by, hit by a car. It just got to him. Right. So he searched for this dog for over a year. Wow. Like called everybody, you know, stopped his recycling business, the whole thing. Wow. Found the dog, brought the dog back, you know, he had it forever, and then maybe two or three years ago it passed away. Hmm. I'm surprised you don't know about that. No, I never heard that story. But anyway, the point of me bringing that up was he wrote the uh, uh, children's book for kids with the dog. You know, this dog was everything to him, which is very cool. Yeah. These dogs are a lot of times nicer than people. Yeah. Most times, actually. Yeah, absolutely. But then he had written a book, 42nd Street. And when he had came back in the second time, he grew up on 42nd Street. Mm. So he had told me some of the horror stories, <clears> too. <throat> and the one I saw with you, I was like, and, Yeah. It's crazy. So at that time in the 70s, what was making things so bad? Was it drugs? Was it, uh, you know, blood crip thing? No, it was... Um, or just straight violence? Well, the city was bankrupt. They laid off a lot of cops. Um, oh, God, so this is a cycle. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was really bad. Uh, and, you know, 42nd Street was, I hate to say, but like a shithole, and... You know, when it gets too overrun by that kind of, uh, I guess, that kind of personality, the cops just let it go, really. 
You know. Now before Giuliani wiped everybody out, and he did. He sure did. And that's who this guy should be following. Whatever he did, absolutely. Because he did it right. He didn't go too crazy. He just went in and cleaned it up. Absolutely. So now when you're running around, and now you have that decision to make, right? Your dad's trying to convince you, right, to be a cop, or trying to kind of lean you toward uh, being a cop. You know, just to behave, basically. You know. Okay, so when you go to make a decision where you're going to go in life. What made you decide to go to be a cop? Um, <clears throat> I mean, the bottom line is I saw in the short... Well, I saw a couple of things as a kid. Um, the treachery, even uh, with Eddie Lino, even amongst my own friends. Uh, we got involved with some guy, with a wise guy named um, Bruno Facciola, who was a, a Lucchese guy. Uh, in fact, I think it was... I'm never sure if it was, I think it was, in the movie Goodfellas, when they bring Joe Pesci to his death, um, that was set up by this guy Bruno and his brother, because his, his brother was a Gambino guy, and he was a Lucchese guy. And Tommy DeSimone was the real Joe Pesci. He was uh, involved with the Lucchese's, but he killed the Gambino. So they used these two brothers, Fracciola brothers, to set up Tommy DeSimone. Oh, jeez. Yeah. But when I was young, we got involved in a little in a dispute with him, and um, we end. When I say we, I actually leave literally minutes before my friends beat up Bruno, who we knew the name Bruno at, in, in my neighborhood, but we didn't know what he looked like and we didn't know who exactly he was. Even though my friends' fathers were connected guys and uh, mob guys, we knew the name Bruno, but again, we didn't know who he was. We get involved with hanging out in front of his pizzeria and we argue with him and we basically tell him to go F himself and and I end up leaving with another friend of mine and my friends hang around there and Bruno comes out with a bat and my friends take the bat and they do a number on him. And now, of course, Bruno's going to... Bad gonna, idea. Bad idea, yeah. especially who he was. And <laughs> as, and he wasn't... He was a somebody. He was, he was an old-time guy, well-respected mob guy, been around for a long time. Again, his brother was a Gambino. He was a Lucchese guy. And, um, of course, he found out who everyone who was there. And the way he found out was, was one of my friends gave us up, ah. gave them up. So, um, like I said, I was lucky enough to leave. Otherwise, I would have been in, in some shit. In the, <laughs> in the, yeah. Right. yeah. So, was that that was one of the deciding factors that you were That like, was one of the factors. Yeah. Another factor was the uh, Eddie Lino, Lino incident when we did that bar. And Eddie Lino, um, I mean, it was a risky thing to do. We we were in a stolen truck and we broke into this joint. And then um, Eddie Lino, when we met him later on, he didn't want to pay. He didn't, seemed like he didn't want to pay us. He wanted us to make some more moves with the truck, with the machines in the truck. And I, I wasn't really in the mood to do that. I wasn't going for it. I knew it sounded bad. I knew it wasn't going. We almost got pinched already earlier. And um, and whatever they offered <clears throat> to give you, you know you would have probably got about 10% or whatever whatever you thought you were going to get. Yeah, it was just <laughs> Yeah. It wasn't going well. It wasn't going well. No. Yeah. And, um, and I just saw, like, his treachery. Like, he was, you know, and he heard me maybe grumbling to my friends, like, what the fuck, you know, what's going on here? And um, literally when he paid me, uh, I literally thought he was going to shoot me. You know, when I turned around, I thought he was going to shoot me for the couple of dollars that he gave me, you know. 
Yeah, you thought there's no way I'm I'm walking away with this one. No, right? literally, as I turned my back, I really thought he was going. to I remember me in, in South Philly, I'd have just friends. Friends of mine would come up to me, and they would remember from like three years ago, like a ten dollar. I'd owe them ten dollar. Hey, remember that time at um, <laughs> right. uh, you know, Sam's Clam Bar or whatever they they closed. Remember right. that? You owe me ten bucks. I haven't seen you in fucking three years. What are you ten dollars? Really that bad? It's really that bad out there? <laughs> but you know how it That's is. Funny, yeah, but yeah, man. But how how safe were the neighborhoods, though? The neighborhood was safe. Yeah. yeah. And that's one thing you can always say about, you know, being around there. Yeah. For me, it would have been tough because all the, you see all the flash as an 18-year-old, you know, 17, whatever. And then, you know, you're about to start your life. But, you know, you see that flash and the money and the cars. Yeah. You know, I don't care what you saw with Lino and, all you know, all the killings. You know, a lot of times that money out, what you kind of, well, that, that's just an incident. You know, yeah. So for you to be able to be disciplined enough to say that's not for me, even with all the money when yeah, we're dumb I mean, kids, you know. Honestly, the money never, you know, never. Gra- I never gravitated towards the money. You know, I, I always worked. saved your ass. Yeah, yeah. I always worked and um, had money in my pocket most of the time, and um, really I, that didn't wasn't a big deal to me. You know, I mean, they had nice cars. My car, my first car, I paid three hundred fifty dollars. <laughs> Literally, it was my neighbor's car. He gave it to me for three hundred fifty dollars. They had brand new. One guy had a brand new Chrysler Cordova at the time. It was beautiful. Another guy had a uh, a, uh, a Lincoln, brand new car. Their parents gave him. You know what? I had I had a really hot girl too. She looked like Mariah Carey. You know what I got? Sure. And my my grandparents had a restaurant, motel, plenty. I got. Uh, this was probably like 1997. I got a 1990 Acura Integra with no air conditioning, <laughs> uh, cracked windshield, and that was just they they wouldn't you know, I had to work. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's what I everybody else had decent cars. I went up and picked up a very beautiful woman in a not so decent right. car. Nobody wanted to get in my car and ride, <laughs> sweat your ass off. You know what I mean? Yep. And then uh, she eventually left me and married a detective. Oh, good for yeah, him. Yeah, my luck. <laughs> good for him. <laughs> So then you see all that stuff. So now you decide to go. So what are, what are, what's the first steps you take back then in like the 70s and 80s to get into the police force? Because I can imagine it's a lot different now. Um, I mean, I took the test when I was young. Oh, and okay. they, I took the test probably when I was like 18 um, just because my old man made me. I really didn't have any intentions of being a cop. Not that I was against it, but it wasn't something I really gave any much thought to, to be honest. And then... Um, they called me when I was like 19 and a half, almost 20, and I got on just when I was almost turning 21. And then what was your first job? <clears throat> well, like, what did you have to do? Um, so when I went, came out of police academy, my first, I was a housing cop, and I was working Coney Island Projects. <sighs> yeah. that's, that's a great start. Yeah. That's, now, uh, now, take right. me through the scene of, <clears throat> of the projects there, especially then. It's bad, man. Like, people, I tell everybody, people used to drive... Like you'd get these people from uh, the Midwest, Idaho, or Iowa, and they'd uh, roll their windows down, or they have the windows down, and they'd say, "Where's Coney Island?" I'm like, "This is Coney Island. Fucking thing. Where do you think you are?" No, no, no. Uh, this can't. Uh, yeah, this is Coney Island. The rides are two blocks away, literally, and <clears throat> they're in the a bad, bad na- neighborhood. You know, ghetto, high crime, and I used to tell them, "Move your windows back up, <laughs> and turn your car around and go back home." Yeah. And that's where they send you to begin with? <clears throat> that's, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. And, and what did you do? You just dealt with it? I mean... Yeah, I mean... Um, was it violent? It was violent, Cornell. I mean, 
I mean, listen, a lot, so much, so many, all the projects are bad, you know, in Brooklyn. Uh, Carrie Gardens, which is on 23rd Street between Mermaid and Surf, uh, there's three buildings there. Some of the worst, some of the worst projects in, bro- building, uh, in Brooklyn. Um, but listen, I've seen bad areas. Like I said, I used to go to 42nd Street. It was a different kind of bad, though, you know. Um, but I've seen bad areas. I knew what bad guys were, you know, um, and I dealt with it. Now, when did you find out that you had somebody in your family that was in the mob? It was your grandfather, right? My grandfather, yeah. But you didn't know that right early on. I didn't know that for a long time. Um, he that, was, that's, some, that's some crazy shit, huh? Yeah. Dad's a cop, grandfather's mom. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's quite a twist. Yeah, but I mean, he was old, old school. Yeah. You know, he came over in the early 1900s. He was eight years old. Oh, wow. His sister was here. She, I think he met his sister. She was here. She was 12 years old. She came alone. He was eight years old. He came here all by himself. Like the movie in The Godfather, literally. Yeah. Came here all by himself, and they met up, and um, they lived down in uh, little, little Italy, and he kind of raised himself. Well, his sister and him, they raised themselves, <clears throat> and he got involved, like a lot of Italians, just to survive, really. And um, he was became friendly with Joe the Boss, one of the first mob bosses ever, Joe the Boss Masaria. Um, then when Lucky Luciano killed Joe the Boss, him and Luciano became friendly, and um, he was a smart guy. My grandfather, he made money. He wasn't a killer. <clears throat> I mean, he was a tough guy. He was a little, little guy, you know, small in stature and uh, small frame, but just a smart guy. Made money on the easy uh, after hours club. Um, just simple stuff. Yeah, not like nutty, crazy. No, you know, and and, and a likable guy. Yeah, Joe the Boss. Uh, used to he used to borrow my grandfather's diamond stick pen when he'd have these sit downs, give it back to my grandfather. Lucky Luciano used to hang out at his club. Yeah, what's a diamond stick pen? Like pin <clears throat> or pen? No pin. Like a pin you would pin on. You. Yeah, I think they just put it uh, through their tie, like a like a tie clip kind of. Oh wow. Yeah. <clears throat> Why do you think uh, Lucky Luciano was so respected? Anyone I know that had any encounter with him or knew him or knew of him or knew somebody of him. Never a bad thing to say. I don't know if they were just scared to death of him or if he was relatively decent compared to some of the others that had come along later. Yeah, I think he was, um, again, he was a bright guy. He put the commission together. He had the opportunity to be the boss of bosses, and he didn't even, he didn't. He didn't want that whole. He didn't make that, yeah, he didn't make that decision. He made a commission, you know, Um, and I guess he was respected for that. He was always making money, and I'm sure he was feared, obviously, you know. I'll get off him, but what was the real nutty thing that they did when they all went to the same place? Appalachia. Yeah, that was that was just. The t- yeah, he wasn't there. Though. Uh, okay. No, uh, that was later on. Yeah, uh, I, I just that just popped in my head. Not when you were saying bosses of bosses. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, why? I don't care what's going on. Why would you bring everybody to one place as, as if you're not being surveilled? As if not one of the people that are coming there are being surveilled right. pretty well, right? right. <laughs> and a lot of guys didn't want to go. And the guy that. Uh, where they did go, upstate New York, um, people knew, you know, a lot of the bosses knew that that's a small area, you know, we're going to stick out, but some of the heavy bosses said, no, that's where we're going to meet, and it ended up being a big, big, yeah, big mistake. <laughs> a big mistake, is yeah. said lightly, right? Yeah. Now, for a cop, like uh, Joe Pistone, how could he go seven years undercover? That's some shit, what, or six and a half? Yeah. How is that possible? I mean that to me that seems tough. Yeah, tough to be tough. able to do. Yeah, 
I mean, he gave up his life early. Would you do you think that Donnie Brasco is the best depicted uh, movie of the reality of it? Um, yeah, I, I thought I think so. Yeah, too. I think so. Yeah, yeah, good movie. Yeah, great. Movie. But yeah, he still he still seems like Donnie Brasco in yeah. real life, just yeah. bald, not Johnny Depp. Yeah, <laughs> put Johnny Depp on, yeah. <laughs> kind of. So then, when was the first time you went undercover? Um. I think they, they shifted you somewhere, right? And then they put you in, uh, like... Well, I went to the DEA. Before that, though. Then you go, like, plain clothes. And I then... went to, yeah, Unicorn Operation 8. And what the hell does it mean <clears throat> when the, the... Yeah, that... And then didn't the feds fund it? Yeah. Something, like, for narcotics? How does that work? If the feds fund it for the, I guess, the operation or the undercover, mm -hmm. but it's still a state case, so then you do all the work and then the feds take it? No, it was... Um, <laughs> I mean, that's no, what I've seen happen so yeah. many times. I mean, that happens when you work a case with them. But basically, this was... The the government just cut a check, basically, to the city. The Fed agents and no uh, no individual agency or agent had any dealings with it. It was just a government-funded. So, in other words, the way they may fund housing for people or the way the government may fund welfare for certain situations or, um, like I said, housing... Um, the government funded this specialized unit. It was called Operation 8. And originally it was four cops and one supervisor. And um, oh, the, oh, so that was all one thing. I, I, I thought that you went undercover, uh, funded by the feds, narcotics, no. then got shifted, then did Operation 8. No. No, so that was all within <clears throat> Operation 8. I was, oh. well, yeah, I was in Operation 8. Then when we hooked up with the DEA, um, me and my partner went to the actual Drug Enforcement Administration. Okay, so when you go, so we'll go back to Operation 8 because this is interesting to me. So you go undercover. This is your first time, right? Yeah, that wasn't undercover. It was plain clothes. Plain clothes. Right. Same yeah, thing. Yeah, but there's a difference because yeah. I wasn't trying to fool Yeah, I'm going to ask yeah. Yeah, later. But uh, yeah. okay, so you go plain clothes. So give me like a day in that. No action, just a day. All right, so, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was, it, the great thing about that unit was we had a young sergeant. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Um, we actually had a... He came after. First, we had a guy that was kind of an established guy. He got promoted. Then we got a younger, younger sergeant. Um, and he was... At this point, my, my partner and I were pretty uh, seasoned when he came in. And he couldn't believe what he saw. He was... he Because was, he came out of uniform. Yeah. You know. Um, and he couldn't believe the things that me and my partner were doing. I mean... Um, we knew everybody. Everybody knew us. It was like, and my partner and I were close. And we were a year apart in age. He grew up in Brooklyn. It was literally like going to work. It was like going to hang out with your friend when we go to work. And even the other, so there were four of us. And even the other two guys, we were all very close. And we, we'd go out in the morning. We'd say, okay, anybody looking today? I mean, looking to collar up, making a rest. And we were all pretty active. And for the most part, somebody would always be looking for a collar. And not just as if it came along, you know, we go out hunting, looking, actively looking for something. And um, we try to find out where the dealers were, who was dealing. Um, we go into like an observation point and we, maybe a, uh, an apartment, a vacant apartment or a vacant, whatever, a school bus that's parked. And we'd uh, see who's doing what and we just pick off the buyers and then we pick off the dealer, you know, lock up the dealer. Now, in that situation, not the DA, when you're in the Operation 8, when is it, when you guys are all together, you know, when is enough enough where you say, okay, it's time to go in? 
as far as what? You know, so say you see uh, John Doe, he's over there. Now, he just made a drug deal to some guy for 20 bucks. Now, you're going to go grab him because, you know, he's getting that from somebody. Then it goes up the food chain, right? right? And eventually you figure out who's the main guy. Right. Now, when you go to get the main guy, how how careful is that? Like, is there a lot of patience with that? Or with Operation 8, it was more attack and get rid of it. Get rid of whatever's going on. Just go out there, look, attack. Well, and- th- what happened was <clears throat> um, Operation 8 did great work for many, you know, before my partner and I got there. There were two, uh, there were four detectives. There was, uh, I- I'll give their names because they were, well, you know, they were great detectives. Pete McMahon, Frankie Diaz, Tony Master Antonio, who's since passed. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, who was a good friend of mine. Uh, and Jerry Staples. And they were in that union. They did amazing work. Two of the guys were getting promoted to detective, Frankie Diaz and Pete McMahon. So they put my partner, Jeff, Sia, and I in that unit, and we got to work with Pete and Frankie for a little while. And they kind of broke, showed us but maybe a month, a month worth of how things were because we never worked in plain clothes. And um, so they get they leave, and now it's me and my partner and the other two guys, uh, Tony and Jerry. And, again, they did great work, but... Um, we wanted to move up the ladder, my partner and I. I don't mean phys- I don't mean us. We wanted to get the bigger guys. So we did things most cops wouldn't do. Jerry and Tony, uh, other guys. Um, we would let people walk so they would give us people's names. I mean, we let people, dealers walk. We let users walk. We catch people dirty. Um, I mean, that's illegal. That's not allowed. I know, but I agree with it because you grabbing them does what? Now, that tips off the dealer, number one. It- it's probably going to either way, but there's a 100% chance if you grab him that you're going to tip off the dealer, <clears throat> right? So now he's going to get more careful. I mean, yeah, uh, you know. I mean, there's we no took, point in getting a $20 guy. We took uh, li- literally, and yeah. I'm not just making this number up, we li- took literally thousands of buyers, meaning guys that just cop and dope for themselves. We took, I'm sure, thousands of dealers, um, but they weren't the head guy. They were the guy on the corner pitching to users like in the morning in alphabet city literally in the morning in alphabet city you would see a line of 20 or 30 people waiting like as if they were on a food line or a cheese line like the methadone clinic now exactly yeah (laughs) and they'd be waiting in line holding their money one guy would be walking up and down the line saying uh have your money out no no singles get your money ready um and 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 everybody'd be complying how wide open like that wide open like that nuts just like that when i the reason I went to Alphabet City was because as a, when I was going to police academy, uh, one of my best, I went to the police academy, one of my best friends from my neighborhood, um, his brother was in my class. And their father was an emergency service cop, like a SWAT, SWAT team. And every once, we take the train normally, but every once in a while, he would drive us into the city. And he'd take uh, a shortcut through Alphabet City to get to the police academy. <clears throat> and that's what I saw. I saw these lines, and I didn't know what the hell the lines were for. It's in the projects. It's in a bad neighborhood. Were they giving out lotto tickets? <laughs> right. I, I couldn't imagine what. And you could see the people online look all messed up. Yeah. Right. So I asked him, "What's going on? What What is going on here? What is this?" And he told me, "It's uh, you know, they were waiting to cop dope." And I'm like, "What's that? Nah, the city knows they're here. That they're kind of." Kind of uh, in one area, it's controlled. They like squared them off and said, "Okay, all of you just stay here and it's yeah. fine." Yeah. yeah. And when I so after Coney Island, a couple of months, I met my partner. He worked in Coney Island for a short time. 
he went to Alphabet City and he kept playing, Mike, you got to come down here. It's really, we'll have a ball. We'll make a rest. We'll have a, you know, we'll, and so I got my transfer in and we went down and we got to work together first in uniform where we locked up a thousand people and then the captain put us in this Operation 8. And, um, and again, we saw, yeah, we were making a little bit of a dent, locking up every day, you know, but the same person would be out in a week, a Even month. then? Yeah, it's like, man. I'm, On heroin charges? Bro, Damn. Manhattan, it, they, yeah, it was ridiculous. And then we figured out, okay, maybe we may not get the type guy, top guy, but we'll get a higher guy. And we'd grab a guy. All right, we're not going to lock you up. You know, where'd you get this? Who gave it to you? When, when's the next, when's the guy making a delivery? And he'd tell us. I think, you know, tomorrow, or there was this guy, Fat Frank. He used to, He was a pretty big-time guy. Somebody told, and we wanted to get him all for quite a while. We could never get him. And somebody like that, we'd let go. And he'd say, Fat Frank comes every morning. Before you guys get on, he walks down the block, 7 o'clock. He's got $10,000 worth of dope. All right. So the next time we changed our tour, sure as hell, we catch Fat Frank, $10,000 worth of dope. You know, it's like the, the, you know, people, and I get, you know, I've spoken about this before and I get all kinds of comments. What kind of, you know, you're bad, you were no good, and meanie me. And I'm like, bro, to me the ends justified the means, you know? Took Frank, Fat Frank off for a couple of years. You know, it wasn't by the book, but. Hey, I agree. This episode is brought to you by Let's Get Checked. Are you the man your father was? Recent studies have shown that men's testosterone levels have dropped substantially since the 1980s at about an average of 1% per year. Think about how old your father was when he was born. For example, if he was 30, your testosterone levels could be 30% lower than his. Low testosterone levels can have all type of health effects on men. It can affect your mood, sex drive, memory, muscle mass loss. You name it. And yes, low testosterone is more common the older you get, but it can affect men at any age. So let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in a discreet packaging with next day delivery. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. So if you want to test your hormone levels without having to leave your home, visit trylgc.com backslash MSCS media and get 25% off your test using the code MSCS media. The link is in the description at the top. Because I don't know why you would, why would you even lock up somebody who's going to cop drugs? They have a problem. They do have a problem. Right? Why would you lock them up? Right. You can call them a drug addict or you can call them poisoned. I don't really think that they're a drug addict. I think they're poisoned. I think they're, usually it's from how they're raised yeah. from what I've seen. Or just their environment, and they fall into it. <clears throat> Excuse me, one way or another. What are you gonna do? Give the guy two years because he went and copped and fill up the jails like they like to? For what? You're right. Put him in a good rehab, or just let him go till he gets bad enough where he he has no choice but rehab. I mean, I had a few, several people um, come up to me. They was but but they were so afraid to get arrested that they actually quit. They stopped copping dope. Because yeah, of me, that, you know, me and my partner and my other partner. And that's a great thing. Yeah. That's yeah. all you can ask for. I mean, know? I remember specifically a guy named Mario. I hadn't seen him. And one day I seen him and he looked great. <clears throat> I said, because I used to see him a couple of time. And I had to wrestle him. And he did, you know, a week here, a month there, you know, in and out of Rikers. Um, nice, nice guy. Um, and I hadn't seen him for quite a while. And I finally seen him. I was like, Mario, where you been? And he told me. He said, man, I, 
I'm afraid to come down here. I'm afraid of you and your partner. I don't want to get arrested anymore. I cleaned up. You know, I mean, who knows if he, how long he stayed clean, but, but you know, I had, I've had mothers come up to me and tell, you know, and say the same thing. My son, thanks to you, you put him, you did lock him up, and now he doesn't use it anymore. He's afraid to go back to jail. That that has to be worth more than anything because yeah. you just saved uh, <clears throat> a mother's son yep. or daughter's life. <clears throat> and you see it happen all the time, left and right, especially now. You know these 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 families are on the news. I mean, they're just Terrible. crushed. Terrible. That's why when people say, again, I get emails and comments, and um, um, people say to me, um, I, I lost my train of thought. Um, well, basically, if you, if you uh, you know, like what you're doing. You give, you know, you're letting guys walk, or you know, like we just said, you're letting guys walk, and you're not, you're not uh, putting them away. But really, the bottom line is, we're getting the bigger guy. I don't. I, I've never understood it. <clears throat> and my friend, like my friend, he he just did a couple <coughs> years for some bullshit, but he was in there, and, and he said there was multiple, multiple, multiple African Americans that were just on the corner. They might have had fifty dollars, hundred dollars worth of crack, twenty years. Yeah. We're gonna let him out. We're gonna let him out. Well, all three years he was in there, nobody got let out. Right. You know, I mean, can you imagine that? Yeah, yeah. Your whole life's going over a crack. That's terrible. <laughs> to me, the dumbest law I ever made. And then to take a, a man's life, his whole life. Yeah. And then he did say that one person got let out while he was in there, and it was like out of nowhere. He's let out, and the guy started like bawling because like, what do I do? Right. I've been in here twenty-two years the for whole life. $200 worth of crack, nobody to talk to, and they gave him a 300 uh, bus ticket and 300 bucks. And it was like, go, now. Yeah, now. And what? he was like, what do, I don't know, what, what yeah. am I going to do? It's ridiculous. You know, and, and this is federal. Right. I can't imagine what they're doing, you know, in, in the lower levels. Oh, what I, what I was thinking, what I started to say, and I lost my train of thought, was people say drugs are not a violent crime. And it is a violent crime. You know, for the deal, especially for dealers. Yeah. It's a violent crime, man. You're killing a whole family. You're taking people's soul. How do you say drugs is not a violent crime? You know, uh, drug dealing especially is not a violent crime. It, it, it infuriates me when people say that. Yeah, they're not pulling a trigger. They're not sticking anyone up personally. But they're moving this drug. They're pushing this drug. They're destroying families. They're de destroying people's souls, really. Well, um, Mike, let's put it this way. When they get off the heroin, what are they doing? Puking to death. Pooping to death, right. shaking, sweating, have to go to the hospital. That's Absolutely. not violent. Absolutely. So now if I beat somebody up and hit them right in the head, right. they're going to have a concussion. They might throw up, right? right. They're not going to feel good. You stab them, they're going to bleed. Well, right. what's the difference? Right, exactly. It does the same. It paralyzes. I you. agree. And then with the drugs, at least if you get stabbed, you can get stitched. Right. Right? Right. <laughs> or shot, right. you know. With the drugs, your life's gone. Yeah. Now you're hooked. Yeah, exactly. Everything is about the drugs. Now you're that guy with the nut huggers and the Budweiser waiting for the, what do they call the guy that drops off stuff? Like the the plug, the plug or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the plug to come and, right. and that's your life. When two years ago you were on Wall Street, right, you know, exactly. working for whatever. Absolutely. And it happens just like that. So yeah. I agree with you. It's violent as I hell. agree, man. Now, what do you think about the legalization of it all? Like, you know, Portugal did it. Up all other countries did it where you walk in to Walmart, get whatever. Now, if you if you get popped with say half a kilo of coke instead in Portugal, instead of locking you up, they say, look, for you know, once a week, every week, you have to go to rehab. Not 
United States rehab, like real rehab. You're going to go to rehab, a real counselor that maybe he or she was a drug dealer before, so he or she can relate to you. And within that, you're also going to clean up the roads. Or you can go to jail for 10 years. Which one do you want? And that's where their, their crime rate went down 80%. Wow. So the way I look at it is, especially now with the fentanyl, you know, like if everything became legal today, are you going to go get heroin? Like if you could walk in and, and get heroin right now, are you going to go do heroin? No. Neither am I, neither is he. Right. We would have that, of course. Some people would. But at least you would know it's like tested. You know, it's not from some guy on the street. What are your thoughts with that? Not necessarily heroin, just, yeah. you know what I mean, overall. Yeah. Um, Being that you've been through it, because I can say that, Joe Schmo can say that, but I wasn't working 42nd Street. Yeah, I don't know I don't know how that could work, to be honest. I mean, do you want that place next to your house where they could buy dope? Well, see, then, the other, the problem I have with it is Portugal is a lot different than the United States. In Portugal, they have this thing called discipline. Like, if you, like, start reading really about I mean, they're too crazy, but I wouldn't mind it if I was in Portugal. But here, no, I wouldn't. So I agree with you on that. But right. I don't know because it hasn't <clears throat> happened. I, I know I'd rather have, I'd rather have it available and tested where somebody's not going to take it and die, and maybe I got to deal with some shit down the street than every day I turn on the TV and ten people lost a son or daughter in their family because they went down the street. Yeah, but you know what? I'll just. Um... Okay, so let's just say we'll use fentanyl, right? A junkie's going to go to where he's going to get the best high. And if they think of a, a, a guy selling fentanyl on the corner of Avenue D and 3rd Street, he's going to get them a better high than the fentanyl they're buying at Walmart or whatever store um, or whatever clinic, they're going to go to 3rd Street and Avenue D and get that fentanyl. And that's what's going to kill them anyway. That's Good point. You yeah. just buried me. Just yeah. got buried. Buried. I'll take that one. Yeah. I'll take that right. And walking in and out of these clinics. Like, look at these methadone clinics, right? When I worked in Alphabet City, there was a methadone clinic on Avenue A. So that's like a maintenance. I know you know what it is, but it's like a maintenance yeah. thing that tries to help you wean off a heroin. I dated a girl that I didn't even know, but I knew when she wasn't on it. I had a run, man. That that seemed worse than the, so, the drug itself. Right? Yeah. The methadone, like when she would try to get off of it, that seemed worse than the dope. They would take a drink of methadone because that's how it comes in a liquid. Well, it might come in a pill, but there it was a liquid. Drink it in front of the the clinic person, walk outside and spit it in somebody else's mouth for $10. Then they take the $10 and go buy dope. Okay. So what what, what is legalizing it going to do? Nothing. Yeah, I don't know if, you know. Tax it, I guess. <laughs> To be honest, I don't know if it would help. I mean, I think that's above my pay. Well, now that you, well, now that you put it that way, I never, I never heard the way you stated it. That's why I wanted your opinion. I, I might have be thinking a little bit different because just because it's working in Portugal doesn't mean it's going to work here. All yeah. we have here is ego, bunch of ego, in my opinion. I mean, I mean, those numbers in Portugal sound great, but numbers, knows? numbers, right, high, man? Yeah, you know? yeah, we know that for a fact, huh? Oh, absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> we do. Yeah, eighty million more than anybody that ever lived. Yeah. I don't know about okay. that one, buddy. I don't care what side. Eighty-one million. Eighty-one. I'm sorry, I missed a right. million. <laughs> I lost track at fifty million. <laughs> Over any other president that ever lived, right. I lost track. So, how long did Operation A go on for? Congratulations. That sounds like a pretty serious thing especially the fact that the feds gave money toward it yeah it was Ooh. great it was we, i mean we did a lot of good work we took a lot of well we did a big case so um 
at some point we meet up with the DEA is looking for these guys that they did a case on and when they did the case the, the US attorney at some point refused to prosecute a bunch of guys from the Lower East Side and my partner and I had picked up guys for DEA agents in the past many times like somebody would say you know this guy and we knew everyone my partner and I worked there together for probably like seven years in plain clothes and we literally knew everyone I mean a drug dealer couldn't put a drug out on the street you know they stamp it they couldn't put a drug out on the street without us knowing whose it was who owned it where it came from <clears throat> because we had so many informants because we locked up so many people and even the people we didn't give a break to wanted to ingratiate themselves with us and they tell us stuff just in the chance that we run into them you know and they're dirty so we had so many people telling us stuff so if, many times DEA would be doing a case and they'd say Mike do you know who this guy is and every time he did we know <laughs> yeah, and yeah. If, if you see him would you pick him up and we'd pick him up all the time well at some point this other group group 34 in DEA they were doing a case and they they arrested a bunch of Low East Side Puerto Rican guys uh, buying from some Chinese heroin dealers. And Chinese heroin dealers? <clears throat> wow, I never heard of that. Yeah, that's where the dope used to come from, China. China White. Yeah, no, I mean, I knew it came from, but I never heard of like a, a Chinese drug dealer in America. Well, but, they would. these were the guys that were actually bringing the dope. The them. big ones. Yeah, the big uh, guys. Yeah, and the, yeah, and the Puerto Rican guys were big guys. They were, uh, yeah. <clears throat> so um, the, D, the U.S. Attorney, they declined prosecution on these guys, but they still, of course, DEA knew these guys were still dirty, even though they lost, they didn't prosecute them. You know, so obviously they were there to buy dope and they're still big guys. When they showed us a picture of these, I don't know, seven, eight, ten guys maybe, we knew them all. And <laughs> we hadn't really locked any of them up because they were kind of higher, higher echelon guys, but we knew them all. And so the DEA our chief, if he could recruit, let's say, assigned my partner and I to Group 34 DEA, which wasn't a task force. Um, like, there's task forces in New York where the DEA, um, NYPD, state troopers, they all work together. This was a whole different group. This was regular division, Group 34, and they took my partner and I in there. And we worked this big case that they initiated, <clears throat> and they had a CI, a civilian, and they one of the things we did was we pointed the civilian out to go talk to one of our guys that we knew would go up. You know, we knew, we didn't tell our CIA, we didn't tell our guy who their, who their person was. But we said, this guy is a money-hungry guy. You walk over to him and talk to him. And sure as hell, he went in. He eventually, we eventually arrest 40 people. 40, wow. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. So now, now how long <coughs> do you, are you undercover with the DEA? Well, what happened was after that case, um, got wrapped up. We locked up all them bad guys, all them drug dealers in Alphabet City. Um, my partner and I was going to be in the DEA for a little while. The chief asked me, based, the chief that put us up there, he said, Mike, I have a problem with, I think, I'm trying to, I don't remember if it was Konya, I think, I want to say Red Hook. They were having a, Red Hook, Brooklyn, the projects especially. I mean, Red Hook has since been gentrified somewhat and it's not as bad, but the projects are still bad. But back then, the whole area was bad. Red Hook was really bad. And I think it was like number one in shootings. Jeez. So the chief said, Mike, we're having a really pro bad problem in Red Hook. <clears throat> Do you think you could get something started in the projects? 
meeting with the DEA. Now the DEA, um, had, we had no hooks. In, we had nobody in there. Nobody knew anything. You know, I didn't know anyone. So I just went to Red Hook. I wore like a T-shirt and jeans or shorts, and I kept going to Red Hook on my own. Not with surveillance because they would have made surveillance. It's a very uh, tight knit community. Tight knit community. <clears throat> so an eyeball keeps popping up. They're all black guys, guy, Spanish yeah. guys, and then, you, and then you're going to stick out like a right. young well, friend. I don't mind sticking out, but I didn't want the surveillance guys. Right. They're going to make me. Then they're going to make surveillance. They, we would have never got off the ground, or we would have, or I might have got hurt before it even started. So I just used to go on my own, scope it out, and hang out. I literally go there. Go to the bar. Use a telephone, walk around, and I met <clears throat> some guys, bad guys, black guys, black, you know, black guys that were up to no good. Um, I, ident- I identified them. I got their license plate. I, and once I got to know these people, and they got to know me, then I brought it to DEA. I said, look, these are guys that uh, could possibly bring me to one of our targets. And one of our targets was a guy named Calvin Klein Bacotti. I saw that in there, and I saw Calvin Klein. Said, you familiar with him? No, I just saw it in your book. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, whoa, Calvin yeah. Klein. Yeah, so Calvin Klein. Even, was Calvin Klein anything even big back at that time? Yeah. Oh, it was. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's where he got the nickname from. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. What, he wore Calvin Klein underwear? No, well, his name was Calvin, and they called him Calvin Klein because he was like the man. He was the guy. Oh, he was the The guy. Brooklyn Don, yeah, gotcha. they call him. Oh, boy. Yeah, and he's the guy that Jason, him and Jay-Z were very close. They actually got arrested together for a shooting I want to say in Vermont, I think, or uh, Virginia, maybe rather. Um, they got, they did a shooting, and he, according to him, he took the rap for Jay Z because he knew Jay Z was going to be a superstar. So he took the whole rap. I don't know how true that is, but he did get arrested with him, and he did take, he did do time for it. But Jay Z sings about him. You think? Do you <clears> think uh, Jay Z broke him off a piece? Well, he expected to be taken care of. Um, he, according to Calvin. He, uh, Jay-Z, actually took his persona, like all his drug songs are about him. <clears throat> and like I said, he even mentions him in some songs or he talks about copping uh, or selling up at 125th and Broadway. And that's actually where I did my deals with them, up at 125 and Broadway. <laughs> yeah. The McDonald's. Yeah. He talks about the McDonald's, 125 and Broadway, and that's where I did my deals with them. <clears throat> but any, and, I'll, and then going back to what you said earlier about the, that crack law. So... So Calvin was a bad guy. Aside from the drugs, he was a shooter. He had been arrested for a shooting, and he was wanted or a suspect in a bunch of these bitch, like coming out spraying corners with a machine gun. He was a bad guy. Jeez, machine gun? <clears throat> what the hell does he need a machine gun for? Well, back then, they all had <clears throat> yeah. machines, you know? Um, and you're walking right into it. <laughs> yeah, and this guy actually- <laughs> This guy's me. walking into Uzi's. <laughs> this guy actually introduced me to him as a, as a big, like as a- he, what are I, you carrying? A twenty-two or a forty-five? Sometimes I would carry nothing because they didn't know me, oh, so I didn't want to get made with a gun and spook them. And did he have a bazooka hidden somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was a, a tough guy. But so when I met him to buy, I wanted three ounces of coke, uh, three ounces of crack, because a hundred grams of crack is the same. Is I think it's called a, a hundred to one law. They, the the street nickname for it was a hundred to one law. So for every gram of crack, it's like 100 grams of regular powder. Mm-hmm. So crack was bad, obviously. So when I met him, I was doing a deal with him, him and his brother. And they brought me 
three ounces of Coke, which don't do shit for me. That's no time. Even though it's federal, still no time. I needed three ounces of crack to make them wait. And he was a crack dealer. It wasn't like I was having him do something he didn't do. He talks about he was the, you know, in his, uh, in these songs and in his own persona, he's a crack crack guy. He's a crack dealer and he was the Don of Brooklyn. But it really wasn't him. It wasn't really Jay-Z. Jay-Z. No, it was Calvin. It was Calvin. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so when he brings me this three ounces of powder, I'm like, no, nah, I don't want that. That doesn't do anything for me. And he's like, what do you mean? You cook it. I'm like, bro, I'm here because you know how to cook it. If I knew how to cook it, I would cook it. I said, I don't know how to do this shit. That's why I'm dealing with you. He went back, him and his brother, they cooked it up. They brought back three ounces of, coke, uh, of crack. That's risky, man. You got balls. And then we took him. But we didn't take him down then. We took him down eventually. We bought more off him. And... Um, now, now when you make hot. that buy, when you make that first buy, how how many buys do you do before you you make a move move? Um, this was an interesting case because I was buying off of Calvin, and I was buying off of the guys that he was at war with. I was actually buying off of three fractions in the same area. Wow! <clears throat> and they didn't. None of them knew You're that good. I was. You're yeah, good man. I, <laughs> I don't want move. you after me. I'm not doing nothing. You can search the studio. <laughs> Probably of, already did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was lucky. None Where's the bug move. at, Mike? Where'd you put the bug? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. It worked out really well because we took Calvin. We took his enemy down, who was also a crack guy, and we took uh, another fringe player for some other drugs. But I've seen the DEA wait and wait. Yeah, well, we waited. This case was about an eight-month eight month case. So, yeah, I'm, I've seen them longer. But when it, you're just building and building and building, is, yeah. is that because you already know what's going on? You you could technically go get them at, say, month three, okay? Right. But you want a rock-solid case, am I correct? So that if he does have money that you guys can't grab and gets a killer lawyer, you got a pretty—as airtight— yeah, and also you, you want to see who else he's associated with. That's right. It's not like it's just him. No, and he's got guys, let's say, even on the lower lower echelon that we'd like to get because they're out there doing dirt. Them guys, maybe higher guys, whoever whoever he's dealing with, you know? So back then, what, was it a blood crip thing? Was that a no. big thing back then? No, that didn't pop off yet. No, it was just uh, a money thing. Just a money thing. You're making your money on that corner. I want that corner, and that's it. So now, when... When you're in the DA, like, are, are you doing our DA? Are you like in the vans and all that, like wiretaps and and all that stuff mm-hmm. back then, bugging? Oh uh, yeah, I think we. I'm not sure, but I think we went up on a phone in this case. Went up on a wire. I'm not. I don't remember to be honest. Now sticking with that time period versus today with all the technology, for an officer or a detective DA, you know, you guys, has the technology been a more of a plus or more of a negative? That's a good question. Um, Pull up um, some of Mike's photos. <clears throat> we can go through. Uh, we didn't cool have that on the street. Um, we had beepers. I mean, we had f- cell phones. I was one of the first guys, you know, in uh, in DA to get a cell phone, um, but they were weren't that readily available, and they didn't work that great. So even when I, once I was being surveilled by my guys and I was having a problem, and I wanted to talk to them, the cell phone would keep crapping out on me, you know. But now they text, and now the bad guys text each other, which I'm sure is not easy. They get a, they can buy a phone very easily. But in the same respect, we could 
Like I remember we tried to wire, we tried to have one of these guys on tape in my car. And I'll never forget it was a microphone <clears throat> um in a sun visor. You know, on the on the on the, on the visor of a car. You know, like the mirror that you could clip onto yeah, a visor? Yeah, and you could slide it, the mirror open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. actually clipped on, and when you pulled the thing down, it would have a mirror. And there was a little microphone. So I put it down. The guy was sitting, the, the bad guy was sitting right here with the sun visor down, literally speaking into the microphone Shit. for two hours. You were going like this? Got, <laughs> got nothing. nothing. What? what do you mean you got nothing? That's just a technology. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't Oh, it didn't greatest. work. It just kept crapping out on us. Oh, how pissed were you? It was crap, yeah. So then... Now, I'm sure that doesn't happen. You know what I mean? When you say technology, I'm sure that doesn't happen now. Right. They got these little, little, you know, like uh, you could wear a wire now. You'll never know it's a wire. I want to show off some of the stuff he did, but then I, I want you to take me through a full DA thing. You know, okay, this is who we're gonna get. This is how we, because I always want to, and I know everybody watched from they, you know, how does it work without giving too much away? Sure. You, know, you don't want to fuck, you know, somebody's out there now getting underpaid before he gets more <laughs> cut of a budget and stays in the force. All right, so take take me through some of these <clears throat> and and uh, the background behind it. These are good. Yeah. <laughs> so that's Andre Rand. Now, who's Andre Rand? So Andre Rand was a. Um, or oh, yeah, well, he's in jail now. He's old and he's in jail. He's a, a he was a serial child killer, basically, Ugh. from Staten Island, New York. Um, he actually worked in. I don't know if you are you familiar with Willowbrook at all, the mental facility. A little bit. <clears throat> so in the in the sixties up to nineteen eighty seven is when it actually closed. Geraldo Rivera did a big expose. That's how Geraldo Rivera made his name, exposing he, Willowbrook. And he still got that damn, he almost got killed, and he still got that damn mustache. He almost got killed? Oh, they wanted him bad. Not from, not from this. No, 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 no. no. Yeah. Other shit that it Yeah, did. other yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he did an expose on Willowbrook. So basically, Willowbrook was this mental facility. It was a state hospital for people with mental disorders. And if you ever... If anybody ever Googles it or looks into it, they treated these. So it was supposed to be housed 4,000 people. It's like a 370-acre th mental facility. And it was supposed to house 4,000 people. It used to house over 6,000. So it was well over, you know, over... Uh, Capacity. Right. Yeah. And when he he had heard about it, Havaldo, when he got in there somehow, somebody let him in with a camera, under, you know, undercover. And these people, these people with mental deficiencies, were naked on the floor, living in their own defecation and Faces urine. And everything they Ugh. were treated worse than animals. Ugh. And how they were very exposed it. Nineteen seventy-two. It didn't close for quite a few years later, but it became a big deal. It was really a. Uh, it shook the country basically when people saw what. And so a lot of people were handicapped that didn't have mental disability, and they were treated just as bad, and they were left alone, like I said, in their own urine and crap. <clears throat> but anyway, this guy worked there first as a maintenance man. Then somehow he became a physical therapist. He's got no education for physical therapists. How do they let this guy become a physical therapist? It not look like a <clears throat> physical therapist to me. No, no, not ever. Maybe, seen. maybe a, <clears throat> a couple needles. Uh, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, this is when they collared him uh, years ago. But he was... He started uh, kidnapping and killing kids in 1972, I think was the first one he did. 1972. Then he he did actually, a, he uh, there was a nurse that was missing that they associated with him that he wasn't charged with. <clears throat> and then he did like five, five or six. And 
Then I, I think in 1987, he kidnapped, uh, and all his victims were mentally, not from the facility, they were young, but they were. he would meet them in the street or however. At one, at one point, he took a school bus. He was a predator is what the he hell was it was. Predator. He went after the week. At one point, he took a school bus Sickest from the YMCA with kids and drove them to the, the airport. And he was going to do something, but apparently he didn't know what to do with them. And he got scared. And then he got arrested for that. He didn't do much time for that. He, I don't remember what he did, but maybe less than a year. But then he did, uh, he saw the kids were disappearing. And um, what happened was he kidnapped this girl, uh, Holly Ann Hughes, back in 1981. And she was a little six-year-old girl. And it was from Staten Island. Sick motherfucker. And um, everyone knew he did it. But no one could put the girl in the car with him or with him, basically. But everyone in Staten Island, you know, Staten Island's a small community, especially back then. You know, it was a lot less populated than it is now. Everybody knew who he was. Everybody knew he had a reputation. They used to call him the boogeyman. Actually, there's a documentary called Cropsy. It's about him? It's about him. He looks like the boogeyman. Yeah. He does. It's actually a really good documentary. But, um, yeah, so he kidnaps this girl, Holly Ann Hughes, and she disappears. When I was a cop, I knew this woman that had, uh, um, when I was when I was a rookie, and then I hadn't seen her in many years, but she had some issues, my friend. Uh, put it this way, she, she was one of those people that you would see on 42nd Street on the billboards. Mm-hmm. She had she was into pornography, and she had all kinds of drug issues, and she was, but I knew her, and I hadn't seen her for many years, and then I saw her in the mid-90s, and I told her I was living in Staten Island, and she asked me, she said, you know, my friend, uh, Holly Ann Hughes' mother, I don't remember her name, she said she lost her daughter. Do- her daughter was kidnapped in 1981. Do you know, can, you know anything about it? And I was in special investigations. I was actually working missing person cases. I said, you know, I've heard the name, but I, I didn't know you knew the woman or the, the mother. I said, but I'll look into it. So I looked, I got the case, and I looked into it. <clears throat> and... This, and the, her daughter was the girl Holly Ann Hughes from 1981, the six-year-old. And I saw that a lot of people knew that this guy was in the area, but nobody put this guy and the, ba- the little girl together. But there was one guy's name who, um, I'm trying to think of his name. Anyway, it'll come to me. Um, when I read his, the, the interview the cops did on him back in 1981, 82, whatever, um, I said, this. I don't buy that this guy didn't see this. I just don't buy it. Because he, he, he's seen him, then he's seen the girl. It's just, <clears throat> John, uh, I think his name's John Burns. So I go, I find Burns. He's still alive. He had his own problem with alcohol and all that crap. And um, I take him into the precinct. And I sit him down. And he's like, oh, no, I didn't. I only saw what I said I saw, but I didn't buy it. I still didn't buy it. <clears throat> and, I, and finally I get him. I'm like, what are you? What are you fucking protecting here? I'm not a rat. I'm like, look who you. What do you mean you're not a rat? This is a little six year old girl. Yeah, well, we're not talking about uh, yeah. some bets or whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, this guy's known. Everyone knows this guy killed this girl. He's he was arrested. In, he was already in jail for kidnapping a kid at the time. This guy was, but he was going to be out soon. He got arrested in '87 on a different little girl, he, and he was going to get out soon. This was like '97, '98. Damn. He was on his way out. I said, you know, he's going to be on the street again, this guy. He could do it again. I said, you're not protecting just a regular bad guy. You're protecting a, a child predator. 
He said, what do you want me? I said, I want you to tell me the truth, exactly what happened. He said, okay. I saw Holly and Hughes in this guy's car. Boom. Boom. So Congratulations. I started the case, then went to the DA, did some more other interviews that already put him in the area. We had that already, that he was in the area. And eventually we, uh, I got transferred before they actually went and locked him up. But, we but got you him. got it done. Yeah, Congratulations. That's a big yeah. one. Yeah, it was a big one. Now, when you were working missing persons, that, that's the cold case files when you see them on TV. Yeah. You know, they go in there and uh, my favorite guy is, now I can't think of his name, the Italian guy. I know you know who I'm talking about. Uh, what's the guy's name on the ID channel? I hate the ID channel. All these women watch this ID channel. Yeah, I'm not they, sexist, they but it drives with... me nuts because then they think I'm doing something or whatever the fuck, you know? <laughs> Joe Kenda. Joe oh, Kenda. Yes. Yeah, yes, yes, yeah. Yes. So, like, you know, I watch him. Right. But the other ones, you know, so that that's like what you were doing. You were getting cold cases, like, in a bin. Yeah, I mean, a lot of... Uh, I could see, Just from knowing, just from talking with you, you know, since you've been on, I could see you really liking that. Yeah. Because, like, you got to dig, and then you find, and then when you do find... Yeah. It's like you will, you did something the others couldn't do. Well, you know, miss, well, or people, better, you had better technology or whatever. Maybe. Well, people don't. But the thing about missing person is, um, and I don't, I can't give you the number of how many people go missing in New York, but it's in the thousands. Most of them return. They're not really missing. Even the kids, they run away, or they go sleep at their girlfriend's house or their boyfriend's house, or they're not really missing. So every missing person, there's, a, I mean, literally, you get twenty a day, and they're not all real missing people. Doesn't it have to be like seventy-two hours or something now before no. anything happens? If you no, if a kid is if a kid is missing, no matter uh, you know they start the search right away. Um, you know, it's a big deal. Oh, I'm sorry, that, that must be eighteen and older or something. Yeah, even that. Yeah. If if you think a person's missing, they don't really do that. That's kind of they don't want. That's bullshit. Yeah. Okay. But the problem is, especially I think they've changed it since people. Let's say over seventeen. And under 65 can't go missing because they figure you're an adult. You went out and you went, let's just say you're an adult and you did your own thing. You're not really a missing person. You you know, you're, you're of, of course, being of sound mind. If you got your marbles and you went out and you not didn't come home to your wife today, you're not a missing person. You're out with your gumada somewhere. And that's what they considered. So they didn't take a report. They, they would take what they call an informational. They do a report. But they wouldn't investigate it. But in reality, that's the real missing person because you never go out for milk and not come home. Right. So something really happened to you. That since changed. I think now they make them all fairly. Uh, they make them all kind of investigative cases. Mike, how dumb is that? Right. Because when you're fourteen, fifteen, yeah, you could say, okay, yeah, maybe they ran away. They got mad at mom or dad. You would think it would be the other way. Eighteen to sixty-five. If they don't come home, something's wrong. Right, right, but like, but they would think that you're an adult. You went, you went, you know, you got on a plane and you took off. You went for milk and you decided. <laughs> yeah, you went for milk. You just you got know, on a plane yeah, and you're, you're don't come back for three right. years. Exactly. <laughs> but those were the real missing person. Yeah. You know, we had a, I had a case that was again it was a old case, not that old. It was a couple years old. In fact, it was from the Lower East Side. There was one nice block in Alphabet City. It was on Seventh Street between C and D, and they had like brownstones and they were nice buildings. <clears throat> and um, although wait, this he might not, he might have lived on Fifth Street, but either way, it was a nice block. It was a decent block. And this kid, he just it was New Year's Eve, and he went out. He was with his friends in the apartment. They were all high. 
Um, they said they were smoking pot and drinking, but I think there might have been other drugs involved. Um, one guy went in the back room and passed out. The guy, the, the two men, the two guy, young guys, and they were, and the one girl, the one guy threw up. The guy and girl go out to get paper towels. Right, Literally, I, I walked it. Literally, it takes 40 seconds to walk down the steps and go to the bodega. Literally, you don't even have to cross an avenue. It's a small street. You go down, So for people that don't know, Mike, you're talking about, like in New York and like in South Philly where I used to live, you go down the stairs and you're right there, like downtown, you make a right, and there's a store right there. Like it's 10 steps. L- literally, yeah. cross, this was crossing the street, but it was a small street. It wasn't a big avenue street. It wasn't. It was New Year's Eve. Like three in the morning, wow. no cars. Even when there is, even regardless of the time of day, there's never cars on the street. By the time they bought the paper towels to come back, let's say it took three minutes, the guy was gone, never to be seen again. And and there were a lot of cases like that. But um, he's still obviously he's still missing. Um, wow, unbelievable, huh? Yeah, I can't. Th- his name will come to me, but um, but originally that's not a real missing person case. Crazy. Because they figure, you know, the kid is, um, he's drunk and he went for a walk or he took off with another girl, but he didn't, and he never, never came back again. And we're and we're sitting here now saying Vernon that. Jones, that was his name. Vernon, Vernon, Jones. Vernon Jones. Yeah, you got a good memory. Yeah. Um, you know, we're sitting here now saying that, but we're talking, you know, what, forty years ago. You know, so yeah, you know, if things were, if it would have happened now, I'm sure the outcome, hopefully, the outcome would have been different. You know. As far as what, finding them? Yeah, finding them, yeah. Because it was so long ago and the way it was investigated isn't the way, hopefully, that they would investigate something like that now. Right, I think, like I said, so I think you change it. Yeah, so you're dealing with basically an uninvestigated case at all. Well, this case became very high profile at some point. And um, then it became like an all-hands-on for a little while. And, I mean, by then it was kind of late. But... <clears throat> um, it was, a, you know, I actually went, tried to f- dig this case up. I d- dug it up, and I interviewed the guy and the girl because I thought for sure they knew. I thought, Do you still not think the guy, because this guy passed, one guy passed out in the back. I didn't, I don't even know if I ever interviewed him. Um, <clears throat> but by by that, these two people's accounts, that guy was gone in the back. Um, I interviewed the girl. I mean, I went, I went up to see her. I think she was in Pennsylvania, actually. Um, we used a state trooper's barracks. I took a, um, a cassette what, that you put in the TV. What do you call it? Uh, VHS. I took, VHS <laughs> I took a bunch of VHS yeah. tapes and I put different names on them. And one of them I put on was the, not the guy that disappeared, was the guy that went to the store with her. And I put, I'm not going to give his name, but I put so-and-so's confession. And I put them up and I left it where she could see it. And I had old photographs, <clears throat> not even from the scene. I just found old Polaroids, and I put them up like a uh, flow chart. And again, I made sure she saw the confession. And I left her in the room, and I came back. And Let her think about it, right? Crying hysterical. And she said, what do you mean he confessed? What did he confess to? So I thought, if she sees he confessed, she has to confess for sure if they're in it together, right? You would, yeah, you would think because you would think, all right, well, if he's going to rat on me, I'm not taking the hit for this. Oh, she didn't confess. Do you think she knew though? No, no, I don't think she knew. And I and I, and the other guy, um, I, I think we, I think we gave him a lie detector test and he passed. I don't know what happened, and literally, I, I don't know what happened. But I, I, 
you know, I had seen one of my previous informants when I was a cop down in Alphabet City, because that's where I worked for all those years. And this is years later, of course. And I seen one of the people that I used to let go. And I says, um, remember that case, that missing person? And she, she had lived there her whole life. So she remembered it, of course. I said, whatever happened with that case? What, what do you think happened with that case? She had heard, and this is strictly hearsay, she had heard that they copped dope. And um, he gave the dealer a hard time, the kid that's missing. Um, when they go get the paper towels, he came out, and the dealer that had sold the dope earlier in the night saw him and took him. Took care of him. Did a number on him. Yeah. That's, and now that's just a rumor, totally hearsay. She didn't know who the dealer was. She had nothing, no information. That's, you know, could be. That's a tough one, right? Yeah. Now, as someone who puts their heart into this, when do you, when when are you able to say, okay, you know, I, I got to move on. I got all the ones. <clears throat> you know, if you just can't, if there's just nothing there, yeah. what, you know, how do you discipline yourself to make that call? Like, this is just one. There's just not enough right now. You know, maybe I can check it back in 10 years, but right now it's just not enough because, you know, you know, I'm like that too. Like, if I get into something, I go all the way until the end. And, and that's why I see that you, you're you so successful in your career because you just went, you just went right in. Like, you scoped <clears throat> out. You know, wherever they put you, you scoped it out. You went in, you had the balls. Yeah. You know, you went up and told the guy you didn't want the coke, you want crack. Yeah. He could have came back and just popped you for asking him, just ask him to do that. And you know what's funny about that? Because is- I would have been, because if I'm him, I'm trying to think, if I'm the drug dealer, you're telling me not to get, you're telling me to go back and make this crack. Now, I know that they, the crack now is 100 to 1 or whatever. This doesn't seem right. But you did ask me for crack, but I'm a drug dealer but I'm a smart drug dealer, so I'm not going to deal with you, but he's not a smart drug dealer. That's well, why he's not here. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, uh, you, the, the thing about that one was it got hairy because they had a nice uh, Jeep Cherokee, and back then there weren't that many, and they had smoke windows, and not that many cars had smoke windows. So when I got in their car, I was totally isolated from Yeah, yeah you forgot to mention that. You got some ball, yeah. more, bigger balls <clears throat> than I thought. And his brother was in the back, and his oh. brother was a known shooter. Oh, no. And you're in the passenger? I'm in the front passenger. Oh, yeah. Right behind you. Yeah. <clears throat> and they knew I had money because I was going to buy the coke off them. <laughs> but that's when the greed factor kicks in. Yeah. They could have taken my 10000 or whatever it was, but then or they're not getting 10000 next week. Right. And the greed you know, got them. And they were, the greed got them, got them. Yes. That's go what go to uh, the next pick, uh, Elijah. Yeah, but greed always gets them, it seems. Yeah. You know? There he is. Yeah, so there's Jay-Z on the left, right? No, I, I think, think that's no, that's both Calvin. Oh, that's both Calvin. Yeah. I don't know, kind of look like Jay Z a little yeah, bit, does, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, and that that was the story you were referring to earlier, right? Right. That's and so all he's he's rapping about Calvin the whole time. He's he took Calvin's persona according to Calvin Calvin Klein. Yeah, I believe Calvin yeah. Klein. Yeah, and uh, he was supposed to give him money. I don't know if he ever did, but I think they had a falling out over it. I think we could both probably bet uh, which way that went. I mean, and probably got, when he's got enough money to now get, he does, but yeah. you know how these guys are. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I've had a couple guys in uh, from the Stern show. You know, just because before he got yes. weird, you know, uh, I used to always listen to him. Yeah, he didn't pay too. him shit. Like stuttering, yeah, John. Yeah, I, I heard. I so now stuttering, John. You know, you take everything with him with <clears> a grain of salt. Right. I love him. He actually he slept at my house. Mm. I mean, he's cool. He's really really a nice guy, but you know, he's he's stuttering, John. Yeah. So you take everything with a, a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. But then I meet Scott Salem, who was the engineer. Scott, the engineer. Right. 
quiet guy and very respectful, you know, doesn't want any drama. You know, if I would look over and be like, hey, Scott, what do you think about uh, Trump or Biden? I don't want nothing to do with it. I just go like that. You know what I mean? So when you hear it from him, then it, yeah. it goes. And, you know, let's just say John, because John just screams it all over the Internet. John, at most, made 90000 uh-huh. And that was after, I think that was right before the series. But Scott stayed until, I don't know, six months ago. And he's gotten $1.6 billion. Howard Stern. Unbelievable. Billion with a B. Wow. They just signed him for, he's signed until 2030. And he's working from home right now. I know. Two days a week. Crazy. Can I get that job? Mike, you got some pool over there? No. <laughs> Go to the next one, Elijah. Can you believe that? No. $1.6 billion. Unbelievable. Now, who is this scary? He looks like... Uh, That's David Berkowitz. Son of like Sam. That's crazy. He just looks... You don't recognize... You don't, you're familiar with Son of Sam? David no. Berkowitz? Really? Mm-mm. Wow. Well, I was going to look him up, but I wanted you to tell me about him from your point, because yeah. you would know. I just looked at him and I said, if there isn't something wrong with him, I don't know yeah. who it would be. <clears throat> so... Elijah, you know who he is? Yeah, actually, I took a criminal investigations course um, back in Newburgh, New York, in high school. So we actually had to, I didn't pick Son of Sam, but we actually had to kind of do like a reports on serial killers and stuff like that. But I just know he's a very, really intelligent person. Like he played a lot of tricks on the, um, well, all, like that's how all uh, serial killers are. Like if they're actually really highly, highly intelligent people, but they, they like to, they like the attention and also to play tricks yeah, so he he started uh, seventy uh, summer of seventy six to summer of seventy seven. He was a serial killer. A shoot, uh, he killed, I think he killed six and shot seven. And just that random, random people, or? mostly ra- random people. But for a while, he was. Uh, it appeared that he was killing or shooting at couples in cars, and girls. Girls with dark hair. So a lot of the girls started bleaching. This isn't that whole year. Bleached their hair blonde or cut their hair short. Um, the, 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 he, the fright came over New York City was unbelievable. Everyone was scared. Cause, and then he wrote letters to the newspapers um, teasing the police. Um, it was a very interesting case. Uh, the, some, the movie Summer of Sam, with, uh, I think Spike Lee did it actually, or Summer of, I think that was Summer of Sam. Anyway, um, so he was a serial killer. And he eventually gets arrested in Yonkers, New York, where he lived. How'd they get him? <clears throat> Believe it or not, he did a, sh- uh, a killing in Bensonhurst. And, Bensonhurst? Yeah. Oh. Uh, and he parked his car at a hydrant. And a cop gave him a summons. While he was doing the shooting, what an idiot! Yeah, and the woman, when they were doing the canvas of the area, some woman said, "I think there was a car there with a summons on it. Maybe he has know something." And they tracked the summons. They found out uh, where the car came to, and he had already been on some some radar. And they caught him. They had he had the gun in the car. They used to call him the forty-four caliber killer because he used to use a forty-four bulldog handgun. Um, when he gets arrested, he basically says that his neighbor's dog told him to kill. 
Yeah. His neighbor's dog. Yeah, his okay. neighbor's dog, because he used the name Son of Sam. Right. And his neighbor was Sam, Sam Carr. And he said, my neighbor's dog. Um, shortly after he gets arrested, he retracts that. He says, that's not what happened. I'm part of the satanic cult. I wasn't the only shooter. There were other people involved. I did do X, Y, and Z, meaning I did. he did a few shootings, he admitted to, but I didn't do these. Um... Now, at that time, did you believe that? Did I believe? Well, I was yeah. a kid. Oh, you were a kid. Yeah, okay. I was a kid. Um, okay, well, He now, got collared in 77, so I was a kid in 77. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, now knowing about it, do you think there was more than just uh, him? Well, um, yeah, I think so. Now, I don't know if it was the whole cult thing, but I'll tell you how I got involved with it. Sure. So what, hap- what happens is, so he starts talking about this cult, Um and in jail, he gets his face sliced. They just miss his jugular. I think they come all the way like to his neck, and he doesn't talk again. He's, that's it. I'm not ever speaking about this again. And and now he's born again, uh, and supposedly he is born again Christian, like heavy, you know. Well, he's been in jail since '77. He's not ever getting out. Um, and I actually know someone, someone, someone I'm fr- very friendly with, an ex detective who works for me. He's friends with a guy that did time with him. And he actually told the other guy that about this cult and that um, he wasn't the shooter. Um, and that's only between inmates. It wasn't like, you know, he was, anybody was going to get out. Broadcasting, yeah. <clears throat> but anyway, so he's in jail for life, basically. Um, and people don't believe that he... Some people believe he was involved with a cult. Some people believe he was the only shooter. I get a call one day from an inmate in Attica. And he says he has information on a kid named Eton Pates. Eton Pates was missing from ni- in 1979. He was um, in Soho, and he was walking. The first time he was ever going to school by himself, the mother was watching from the window. She literally turned her head for like less than a minute, 30 seconds, because she had another kid I think that was crying. Or when she turned her head back, the kid was gone. Never, never found again. His name was Eton Pates. Um, and again, that was in 79. I get a call in like 96, 97 from an inmate Attica. A guy named Tiny John Lentini. I think you have the picture. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so John Lentini says to me over the phone, now, I don't know if he, I never remember if he called me asking for me specifically because he knew what some inmates know about, knew my name. and Or anyway, he says, I have information on Eton Pates, but he kind of screws the name wrong. And I, that kind of led me to believe that maybe he's telling the truth. Because if he's going to lie to me, he'd give me, make sure he'd have the name correct. But he chopped up, he butchered the kid's name. He said, I got information on Ethan Pates. Um, I'd like to talk to you about it. You know, he wanted to get out on parole. So that's, he wasn't doing out of goodness. Of right, he just went out. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, he wanted to get out on parole. And he was a biker. He was a 1% biker. He was a vice president of a bike gang. And, um... I go up to see this guy, John, Tom, Tiny Lentini. John is his name. And he's this big 350-pound biker. Uh, Pagan or uh, um, outlaw? Or... No, he was on the, one of the bigger gangs. He was His gang was called the Rat Pack. They've been around oh, since yeah. the 50s. Yeah. And um, he was the vice president of that gang. And they, like I said, they were under one of them. I, I, the Outlaws, maybe. I, I don't remember who. Maybe the Hells Angels. Um, and he's in jail for having sex 
raping basically his infant daughter, an infant. Ugh. Um, Damn. Yeah. So he's in jail for being a pedophile. His wife was also. I think the wife cooperated against him. So she, saying he forced me to have sex with the baby. So I don't think she did any time. Oh, maybe a little bit of time. But he was in jail. For he this. forced her to have sex with the baby too. According, uh, according to yeah, according yeah. to her. So they didn't really go after her prosecution wise. I don't know about that. Um, yeah, wasn't like she couldn't run out of the house. Yeah, they, they, well, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. But they got him, and he's in jail for a long time. But now he's up for parole. He wants to get paroled, How and he gives me this story. Parole. <clears throat> the story he tells me is that him and his biker gang were contracted to do security in Yonkers and Westchester at these mansions, and in the mansions were these satanic parties with the, with the sex going on and all these different drugs and kids and all kinds of shit going on. And they doing security. So the cops, the cops come, they're going to fight the cops. Anybody else comes, they're going to, you know, get rid of them. But eventually he come, gets friendly with these satanic people that are throwing these parties and they let him in and out of the mansions while they're doing this thing. And at one of these, in, one of these uh, gatherings... They call up the kitty Tom Pates and they do some kind of measuring to him and they do some kind of ritual to him and they're going to ritually sacrifice this kid. Well, like cut him up? Uh, well, he says that he left right before it happened. He walked out. Sure he does. But they were going to do something. Yeah. Now, we don't know if this really happened, how much of it happened, but that particular cult is, according to Tiny... And him too, because he talks about the Process Church, is the Process Church of the Final Judgment. And so, that's the so same. So now point. you have one birdie. Now you got two birdies. <clears throat> Once you get the third birdie, right? Then it's like, well, it makes sense. Well, what happens is that kid who hadn't been found ever, um, a couple of years ago, I want to say, I'm not sure how many years ago, 2007, maybe 2008, a guy confessed to it. Had nothing to do with anybody here. He worked in Soho. He saw the kid and he took him. But they never... Now, that guy has a history of mental problems. And he confessed. But nobody knows... If it's real or not, or if, if he's just trying to get so, fame right. or whatever. And so he went to trial twice. The first trial was a hung jury. The second trial convicted him. They, again, they never found the kid's body. That sucks. <clears throat> so we don't know if he's telling the truth or if he's making it up in his head. Because, again, he has all kinds of mental deficiencies okay um but tiny story coincides with this guy's story regarding the process church and what they were up to and and again i don't know if he was involved or how active he was meaning berkowitz but supposedly the other shooters were members also now is this whole like satanic whatever this cult thing is that, that these guys is that still going on today like uh, the, the like this what is it called what did it what you the, call the name it? of the church is the process church yeah but it, it <clears> had <throat> another name before like of the cult like the satanic cult satanic rituals <clears throat> yeah, yeah yeah is that still around i'm sure it's around Jeez. wow yeah that's disgusting man it's crazy uh, go to the next slide yeah that's the kid that's the kid huh what a shame i hate to see that shit still missing yeah from 79 damn well at least you did everything you could do and stole, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, what are you going to do? Go to the next one, uh, Elijah. 
Now this is uh, a picture. Yeah, you had said from when they had put you over there. Yeah, go ahead. That's Eddie Lino in the middle, and that's John Gotti's brother right there. That's Gene Gotti. Gene, yeah. <laughs> so that's where we did the job for that guy, Eddie Lino. That looks like Scarf on the left. It does look like him. It does, right? Yeah. Oh, man, he's a crazy guy. Yeah. Uh, go to the next one. And that's Tiny Lantini, the inmate. He don't look so good. No, that, well, when he got he eventually gets out. And when he gets out, he becomes, he made himself a uh, American Indian chief. How does he th- what? <clears throat> yeah, and he made he took, <laughs> he, took the, he took the name Wolf Hawk. What the fuck? Why? Why would he do that? Um, I don't know, but he, you know, he was obviously a, a screwball, and he actually ma- married another woman. They had a baby, and the state of Pennsylvania took the baby because of his history. She had actually been married once before, or had a kid once before. I don't know if she was married. To another guy who was a pedophile, convicted pedophile. Oh, yeah. That's the, is that a new fetish? That's a type. Oh, are we gonna go to uh, the porn sites, Mike, and see a <laughs> fetish of the shit or what? Oh, crazy, goodness. right? It just gets crazier and crazier. Yeah, he marries a woman that likes uh, pedophiles, and that's her second. Yeah, her second. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's... And they actually took the baby from her. Yeah. Well, as they should. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another one. Now that's. Robert the Grimson. <clears throat> yeah, you yeah. got to tell me about him. So he was actually born in uh, Shanghai, and then he moved to the UK. Um, and he was associated, and, and I don't know about partners, but very close to L. Ron Hubbard. And Nirvana, maybe? Kind of looks like Nirvana, right? Right. Just totally different guy. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, he was close with L. Ron Hubbard, and then they he went his own special his own way. He actually married L. Ron Hubbard's girlfriend, or maybe could have been L. Ron Hubbard's wife. He took her away, and they started they started the cult. Fucking and, these cults, man. Yeah. And what all did he do? Like, like what all was proven that he had done? Criminally, you mean? Yeah, criminally, yeah. I don't think, I don't even know if he's ever been arrested. He just started this cult, and the cult basically uh, worshipped four entities, Jehovah, and I, this is coming from them. I, I don't, you know, Jehovah, Christ, Lucifer, and Satan. And you split your loyalties amongst the four according to the, and again, I, I'm not a follower of the church, so I don't know what the hell they're talking about, but that's what he did. And then um, supposedly when it became this cult to kill, they wanted to start like an uprising, kind of like a helter skelter. And actually Charlie Manson had gone to some uh, process church meetings when they were in L.A. because he was in the U.K., London. Then they moved to California. And actually his wife, you'll get a kick out of this, him and the wife separated at some point. And she became a... Priest? No. That would have been real fun. And they were known for sacrificing uh, uh, animals, German shepherds specifically. And she opened up the... I can't. I can never think of the name of it. But anyway, it's like an animal sanctuary where they save dogs and other animals, and it's one of the biggest in the country. And that's the wife, uh, and Obama got his dog from that. Jesus Christ! Add that to the the five hundred billion he put on a plane in the middle of the night and gave to our enemy. Ain't that hot, the hell's wrong with that guy? And nobody ever hears about it either, right? right. <laughs> 
Um, I can never think of the name, but his well, name was uh, Marianne McLean. Yeah. yeah, unbelievable. But you know, whatever he was running, there was a lot of dirty stuff going within it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, nuts. Yeah, is there another one? It might be the last one on that one. Oh, yeah, that was that's the biker gang, that's right? That's the Rat Pack. Yeah, that's the Rat Pack. Yeah, they they made a movie about that, right? Or a documentary? They made something with the Rat Pack. Oh, is that pack. right? Yeah, it's on Netflix. No, that's got to be. Uh, that's not the uh, Sinatra and them guys. It might be. I just yeah. saw Rat Pack. Yeah. Might have just got my second yeah, right that, hook yeah. from Mike already. Yeah. I got hit earlier. I got hit yeah, mid-round. that's what they call them. Yeah. <clears throat> now, were the bikers big back then? Yeah. They were huge. Mm. Now, when did the blood and the crip and, and all that, that jazz start? I think that started like in the, towards the end of the 90s. Really? Yeah. Now, when did you realize that there was a $50,000 bounty on your head? And then you decide, wow, there's a $50,000 dollar bounty on your head to go into the DEA. You know that? Before he goes into the <coughs> DEA, he's already got a 50K bounty thing on him. Then he's going, then Mike's, I don't, I don't want to say he, then Mike is going into an area he doesn't know to scope it out and then with the 50K on your head, <laughs> yeah. how do they not detect you? You know, because... Well, the the 50, the, the, the contract was the low east side guys because me and my partner were putting such a hurting on them to try to get the heavier guys. So... You know, we were doing a number on them. We were taking heavy guys, like that guy, like, for argument's sake, Fat Frankie, we would take 10,000 here, uh, another couple of thousand, you know, 10,000 there, 20,000 worth of material. And, um, well, you cost a lot of people a lot of money. Buddy. So the main guys <laughs> got together, 50,000 for them is light stuff, you know, for me and my partner, 50 for me, 50 for my partner. But fortunately, they couldn't get anybody to do take the contract. It's yeah, a, killing the cops is crazy. Stuff. You got to be out of your mind to do that. Right. You know, but like, say that they would, because it was the east side, then the west side. If you come in, if they don't have an issue with you, that's the east side's problem, not theirs. In other words, if you, so the east side puts the contract out, the right? Alphabet City, guys. Alphabet City, right? Right. Now, if you go to the west side, does that contract hold with them, or they don't want nothing to do with it because that the issues are over with the east side? No, but how would they? Um, you know, they didn't know who I was. Like when I did on the cover work, they didn't know who I was. Okay, see, I, I thought they had made you, and then they put the 50K on no, you. Okay, no, no, no. So them guys, Alphabet C, knew who I was. Okay. Because we were there every day. In fact, when the contract was kind of, when it was confirmed, uh, and the way it was confirmed was there was a, a bank robbery up in the Upper East Side, and the FBI had an informant, um, and they were talking to him about the bank robbery, and... In the in the room at the time was a detective that I had done some stuff for, meaning I picked up guys, bad guys for him, and I knew him well. And um, the detect the the informant, after talking about the bank robbery, said, "Oh, by the way, there's these two cops on the low east side, and there's a fifty thousand dollar contract on their head." And my the other detective knew 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 me and knew my partner, and uh, and he even said who put the contract out. This guy was from the Alphabet City, but he knew a lot of what was going on on the Upper East Side, and. Um, he knew who to put the contract. So they actually transferred my partner and I to Harlem for a short time. How was Harlem? <clears throat> what? How was Harlem? Because you, you always hear the, the you always hear Harlem and the negativity. That that you know, if you're not from New York, yeah. it's always Harlem and then how bad it was. Well, I'll tell you the first <laughs> I wanna say the first or second night we were up there, <laughs> we saw one of the guys that put a hit on us. Okay, there you Because go. he had material uptown. <laughs> yeah. So it was like it was useless. Um, you know, like they knew where we were now. It didn't matter that, you know, um, that we went uptown. It was bad. You know, Harlem was bad too. 
I think I worded that wrong. Like, don't like so like the east side and the west side they don't communicate because I would think like Alphabet City would say, hey, look, you guys got you know Mike's coming over there. Be careful with him. If you see him, you know there's fifty on each of their heads. Yeah, no, I think that 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 it's that just, happened. But again, nobody would do it. Nobody wanted wow, to okay. kill two cops, walk even one cop. Now going into that, did you have that confidence that that confidence that you didn't think somebody would take a shot on you? Um, well, put it this way, I, <laughs> I I bought a few more guns, <laughs> and I, I, I slept with a gun. Uh, I slept with a pillow under every gun, <laughs> vest at all times. No, no, no not, that, not too bad. No, <laughs> but I, I was uh, heavy for a while. Yeah, yeah. So now, when you go to the side to write the book, and then we'll go back to your career, but we'll, we'll jump in with the book because this is all in the book, right? What made you decide to write the book, and did you have any <clears throat> concerns writing the book because of all the people you've been around, the backlash? Now there might be a little bit more of a contractor in your head, possibly. You know, um, was there any thought process like that, or most of the guys we put away um, did a lot of time. You know, I think they're out now, most of them, uh, but they're older. You know, they got to be 60s and... They're not, they're, they're uh, not coming <clears throat> looking for you. I'm hoping that they don't. I mean, if they, they listen, I'm easy to you find. You did your job. Yeah, I'm easy to find, you know, and whatever. Um, yeah, and I did my job, you know. So now you, you decide to write the book. What what made you decide to even write a book? Um, honestly, I used to hear cops tell stories. And you were like, these are boring as shit? Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> we did so much, you know, we did a lot of work, my partner. You know, my I got to say, me and my partner really cared about the Alphabet City. Even though we get, sh like I get, like I said, I get stuff, comments people make on Instagram, not on Instagram, on uh, my my YouTube channel, people make uh, comments. <clears throat> the bottom line was, again, first of all, we didn't do everything by the book, but it wasn't because I was looking to become a rock star or make money or any of that stuff. I was looking to help the people... I always say, I used to see kids going to school in the morning, literally, kicking hypodermic needles around. The way, like when you're growing up, you kick a can, see how far you yeah. can kick it before you lose it? Yeah. They'd kick a hypodermic needle. Or they'd pick it up and start playing like sword fights with hypodermic needles. Jeez. A dirty, bloody needle. And who knows what's in that? And uh, and AIDS was pretty it rampant prevalent. at that time, right? Unbelievable. <clears throat> and I used to, me and my partner like, how the hell could these kids grow up with... So, yeah, I, I got a lot of hate from, let's say, neighborhood people, but mostly bad guys the, who I didn't care about. The, the good people, um, listen, I always say I wish I had two cops like me and my partner in my neighborhood, keeping, kicking kids in the ass or, or scaring kids or who, who give a shit. Actually, we really gave a shit, you know? Me we too. Really? I, I wish it was like that too. Like, you know, you don't want to... Not that you don't. It, it's just I, I thought things were better when I was younger and just hearing stories from my parents, you know, if you got, say you stole a, a Diet Coke at 15, you know, a cop gives you a little bit of a beating, takes you home to your dad, your right. dad gives you the whooping in your life, you don't take that soda anymore. Right. You know, exactly. you don't you don't go get a record that sticks with you forever, right. you know, and now it's on your jacket forever. Right. You know, I, I had a, a, a cop in, he was actually from New York too, and they gave him all this shit because some kid – Exactly what I said. That's how I was thinking of it. It was a friend of a friend. The kid lived in the neighborhood. He was friends with the kid's dad. And he was pretty high up in New York. And a cop, you know. And the kid went in and stole candy and some other shit. Whatever. Maybe $500 worth of stuff from the convenience store. And he kind of just let it go. 
you know, it was in the neighborhood, the kids 15, 16, good at football, went in and stole something, you know, told his dad, dad gave him an ass whoop, and that was it. Well, later on, like five, six years later, it gets out, whatever, and they actually go to arrest him. They arrest him for letting that go oh. and actually take him into court and everything. And he had a, a immaculate career, right. counterterrorism, everything. And at the end of the career, because of that, they they had, they had to tarnish him over that. And to me, I, I said to him, he did the right thing. He didn't ruin the kid's life over a bag of candy. Right. You know? So I think training is a big thing. Do you? Yeah. I mean, and, and um, yeah, you have to have some common sense. But, I mean, not everyone does. And they make a rule, and you're supposed to abide, abide by the rule. But they're not out in the street. Exactly. You are. So I, th- that right. that has been my gripe before I even ever talked to a cop like this or a Fed or whatever, is that whoever's making the rules, they're not the ones out there. Why don't you call Mike in, Mike's partner, this guy, that guy, and have real-life situations and then make right. a law, rule, or how you go about things, right? Yeah, I mean, there's discussion. You're supposed to use, well, like on a, when you get pulled over for a car stop or running a light or speeding, that's a violation, and you could use discretion. You don't have to give a summons. You could just say, all right, slow down, and that's it, you know, or whatever. Um, but again, that's a, that's not a crime. That's a violation. Um, crimes, there's really no discretion, you know? Just one of those things. Yeah. You know, I mean, how many pages was the book when you wrote it and you did it? How many pages was it before it got cut down or you didn't cut it down at all? No, actually, it was 190, I want to say 199 or 198. And now it's actually like over 300. Uh, Bruce, they, we got Bruce, Bruce Bennett. He did a lot of, uh, he wrote a lot of books as a ghostwriter for a lot of celebrities. Um, Congratulations on getting him. Oh yeah, well the agent uh, WME got him. Um, Can you pull up his book, please? And um, actually, he was going to be a ghostwriter on my book, but I was like, if you're going to do so much work, man, I don't want to keep you in the shadows, you know. What's your name? You know, and so of course his name's on the book, Bruce Bennett, because he. You see, there's a lot of history in New York in the book, and um, yeah, actually, actually good. It's a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Elijah, go to uh, click on read more. In the description, yep, right there. Yep. You want to read that, Mike? Tell us about your book. Which one? Well, the description of the book. Codella, or Codella describes Alphabet City so vividly with such hard-boiled language that you feel like you're in the squad car with him, and you do. The post is right. I still like oh, I, I I still get the post in my driveway Me every too. day, the pink paper with the pink bag. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, I do every day. <laughs> A blistering cop's eye view of the drug war during the heady years of the late 80s. You will feel as if, though you are pounding the pavement and dodging the bullets. That's T.J. English. He wrote the Westies. Yeah. He's a great writer. Alphabet City in 88 burned with heroin, racialism, yeah, racist, and anti-police sediment working as plainclothes narcotic cop, everything we just went through, and a lot more. It is. You do. I read it. <clears throat> I read it. Yeah. I had to read it because I couldn't find the audible. And you do feel like you're there. <laughs> you couldn't find the audible? No, I just went on here and saw it. Oh, where, but where, it's there. The, we did have an audible on it. Where's it. Do you still have one out? What's that? The book in Audible. Yeah. On Audible, just not Amazon. 
Uh, yes, I think so, yeah. Yeah, because a lot of times, you know, you see them both in there. Yeah. So if you want the book, it's on Audible, Amazon. Right. We'll have it all in the description. It's a good book, cool. and you do feel like you're there. I read it last night before my game, wow. and I thought it would be up. And, uh, Thanks, man. You, you do. It's it's like hitting a payment. It's action-packed. Yeah, that's cool. That's why I was saying there's no way this doesn't go movie or documentary. Yeah. Which would you rather go? <clears throat> well, I'm actually in negotiations series, now for series docu uh, uh, docu documentary right docu now, docu series or something. Yeah, docu series, but then maybe maybe scripted. Hopefully yeah, down the road. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, there, there's definitely enough in it. You know. To, yeah. <laughs> that it's not like it, it goes boring. No, right? no, there's a lot of stuff in there. So now, after the DEA, you're working undercover, or you know, you're doing that project. Then, somewhere before that, in between that, they send you back to patrol, right? No. Where, when did you go into back into patrol? Because somewhere in between all of this, you, you were somewhere and then you went to patrol for like a year and then on. Nope. Nope. But then I completely read that wrong. Okay. Yeah. After DEA, after, after Operation 8, I went to DEA. Then I went to uh, the Detective Bureau. Then uh, Special Investigations with the Missing Person. And then you, and then you were, you did a little bit with uh, Secret Service, right? Yeah, I was. Uh, I worked with the Secret Service, not as a secure, not as like a body, you know, like a protection, just investigation stuff, uh, electronic crimes, West African Task Force, um, some counterfeit stuff, and um, give me an example with the Secret Service, like a, something cool, like a story that was interesting that you know you, you investigated or we did whatever. a case that. Um, a guy, he was he was associated with um, a white supremacist that wanted to kidnap the head of Secret Service at the time's kid. That's nuts. Yeah, and they were. Is um, it crazy? Yeah, <laughs> and Secret Service, you know, they're really good technically, tech, technology wise. Um, and we got them. You know, we got them, and I think eventually even cooperate not against them guys, but against some other people. He signed on as a cooperator. Now, nowadays, like, say even then with the Secret Service, is it a lot of taps, wiretaps, stuff like that? Like, how do you narrow, how do you get someone like that at that level? Because at that level, you kind of have as many resources as you need. Yeah, Secret Service is real, and they're really sharp, you know, and they work hard, let me tell you. All the agencies do it. DEA, great workers, good guys, you know, smart. <clears throat> Secret Service, um, dedicated guys, because they'll be doing... A case. They'll be working a case, investigatory case on whatever it is, electronic something, whatever it is, counterfeiting or West Africans or whatever case they're doing, and they'll be told tomorrow. Okay, you get tomorrow. You 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 you're gonna be uh, doing security for the vice president for the next two months, and they have to put all the cases on the side, leave their home, and just go watch paint dry. Exactly. And make sure nothing happens. Yep. Right? It's really tough, man. I could mean, you imagine? Could you imagine tough. being um, no secret service for? Can you imagine no. <laughs> those, those crowds and those whoa. and the people they're secure now? Oh boy, that White House. <laughs> right? Want that job, Mike? No, <laughs> no. Well, Dan Bongino had to do um, Obama for years. No. Yeah. No, thank you. Was there when I was there? Oh yeah, yeah. How was that? I, I didn't know him well. I mean, I knew him, but I didn't know him well. But yeah, but he did Obama. I don't get it. I, I don't know how uh, the law, I don't know how the law works anymore. I know. 
You know, <clears throat> so how involved do you think the government is in the drug trade? Yeah. For instance, when when a guy comes in that got caught transporting 300 tons of marijuana for many, many years and gets life and then actually one of the nicest guys I've ever met. It really is. It was weed. He would drop it off. He wasn't the violent guy. He was the drop-off guy and then it went wherever. Nothing more than weed. But nice guy. And for some odd reason, every other state was 5K a load. For some odd reason, Arkansas was 50K. Well, he was getting paid 50K? No, so like if if he was flying in a load of of marijuana to Arkansas, right. it was fifty thousand to drop it off. He was getting paid. Yeah. Right. No, no, no. I'm sorry. He had to pay them. Oh. Fifty thousand. So if you wanted to, if you wanted a load of marijuana into Ohio, it's five k at the time. Arkansas was fifty. Who was he paying? Who's in Arkansas? Oh, you mean the government? Oh shit. According to. And I have no reason not to, because, I mean, flight records and, and he got life. I mean, he got it all. So, I mean, the, the discoveries there. And then the movie American Made with uh, Tom Cruise, mm-hmm. that original script was about Roger Reeves. Mm. That's what I'm referring to. Right. And it had all of that in it. Well, then Hillary decides she's going to run on the 2016 mm-hmm. uh, ballot. And the original script writer no longer shows up for the script. Script gets slightly changed, wow. and then Roger comes out and says, "Look, that's not what happened." And you guys forgot, I have the original script from Warner Brothers, mm. but you know, it goes nowhere, just like laptops and stuff wow. like that. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know how, how you know. I don't know what to believe anymore. I mean, you know, I'm not a best thing to do. I think is just stay the hell away from <clears throat> you know, have an opinion, you know, maybe throw it back and forth, and then. Yeah. On. Otherwise, you're just good. like my accountant, great guy, but he went down that rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. That's like that dark, dark, dark hole where you just start researching and researching and researching, you know? And I think at some point it was just mind fuck it yeah. to the point where you just can't even function, you know? Yeah. Well, even like that kid, the missing kid. Yeah. You see all the, you know, child predators and all, you know, if, if you watch, if you look. If you buy into the narrative of the Hollywood and what's going on with the uh, the blood, drinking the blood and the endocrine, endochrome and it's kind of hard hand not signals. to. You ever do you familiar with like the hand signals yeah. that they have and all this stuff? I forget who it was. Uh, it be, we we had the flight records and some of the names were crazy. Oh, Lady crazy. Gaga, but you know who's to say that everyone on that flight record was going down there for that? That exactly. You know. Yeah. I'm sure there were there was plenty that were, but. Well, look at the the the, the uh, supposed artist Abramowitz. Yeah, and the uh, the person that lays in the coffin, dead, supposedly dead, with the blood on them. You know, she was at well, all these political people's weddings and their kids' weddings, and you know, and and the art that she supposedly makes is ridiculous. Who would have? Who would associate with her? Well, a know. lot of people seem to. Yeah, you absolutely. know, I, I mean, I. I don't get it, and the fact that you don't get it, and and you're you've lived that situation. Yeah. I know, and let me tell you, Tiny was talking about this ninety seven, and I always say there was no internet. Um, he was talking about the Bilderberg Group when he What's could that? barely. The Bilderberg Group is when all these rich people supposedly get together, like the uh, the Grove uh, that Alex Jones filmed. Um, and he was right about it too. 
What's funny about Alex Jones is, you know, <coughs> he's right about a yeah. lot of shit. We we went yeah. through, you know, uh, we Bohemia, went, the Bohemian Grove. Bohemia, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But Alex has been right about a lot, a lot, a lot of, of shit. Maybe the year's off a, mm-hmm. a tad bit, but he should get a lot more credit for Absolutely. what he's predicted because call him nuts, drunk, whatever you want, but you just don't like that he was right. Yep. That's the problem. Well, and like I said, Tiny was talking about this, you know, because he was involved with the cult. And he was talking about it before you could Google it and before you could figure out what to say about it. Do you remember what he had said, like, exactly? He said the Bilderberg Group's a bunch of rich people and they they actually control the currency and how much things are going to cost and what's going to happen in the world in the big picture. And he had a lot of information, you know, really. And and he knew about the Bohemian Grove and all these politicians that get compromised and then they're bought and sold and... He knew a lot. He had a lot of information. And now you take what Tiny said and you look at today, and, that was, and I don't care what anybody says, the guy's right. That, that was in my opinion. Yeah. I always have an open mind, so I never close my mind. But in my mind, yeah, he's right. I mean, he was a dirtbag. And who who knows about these dirtbags better than a guy that's there? Another dirtbag. Yep. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Now, what made you start the... Uh, I always say every, everybody should do a podcast. Pull up uh, Mike's YouTube I think everybody should. You know, it's a good thing to have in the back pocket in case China makes a move, which I think they are. I'll ask you about that later. <laughs> but uh, what made you start uh, a podcast? Um, really, I just wanted to tell stories. You know, tell talk about what I did, and um, like I would. People knew I'd run into people on the street that read my book, and they'd ask me questions, and I, you know, I just thought I'd, I'd just talk about more stuff. You know. I like the name up against the wall. <coughs> Thank you. Well, how'd you come up with that? That's that's awesome. And the icon or the guy. Yeah, that was good. I looked at that. I said, man, this guy's pretty, he's got some good taste right there. That, yeah. yeah, that's badass, bro. Yeah, well, that's off the cover of the paperback of my book. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And everybody, I, and honestly, I think everybody gets up against the wall sometimes. They got to figure shit out or get their back up against the wall, and so that's kind of how it came. Oh, I got to watch that gypsy one. I just watched a. Uh, part of a documentary on these gypsies there's, oh yeah there's some interesting people oh bro they're very interesting it's called the purple something on uh netflix oh i gotta check it out yeah what the hell what exactly is a gypsy yeah so <clears throat> and you can find this on uh mike's youtube channel just type in mike codella c-o-d-e-l-l-a up against the wall we'll have all that in the description of course cool. right at the top thanks man. all the all mike's links will be at the top so you can't miss them and then under that will be about them cool <laughs> uh gypsies are bro they're really interesting very interesting they they actually believe well they say they believe that they're allowed to commit crimes because they actually stole the <laughs> nails that they were going to nail jesus christ with. oh get the fuck and out jesus gave them the okay is that, is that right yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah. so they're allowed to commit crimes yeah, nonviolent crimes. No, okay, they're allowed to commit nonviolent crimes because somehow, some way, a gazillion years ago, they found the nails. They stole the nails. They stole the nails. Okay, so they stole the nails, and because they stole the nails, they can get away with nonviolent crimes. Well, like they stole the nails so Jesus wouldn't get his hands nailed and his feet nailed, uh, and and Jesus gave them the uh, thumbs up. Wow, <laughs> I, man, I thought mental health was bad, but now <laughs> I really think it's bad. You know, so that's what they of, believe, right? Yeah. And then what's their thing? What's their? What do they do? So they're like the only nationality without a home country, and and they have a language, right? That's they what, have their that's own language. Fucked up language, right? It's um, 
I mean, it's you know, it's only amongst the gypsy people, and they have a language, but they don't have a, a home, a homeland, and they've been, you know, they've been persecuted. Obviously, Hitler went after them. Other other leaders have gone after them, um, and and you know, they preserved themselves. You know, and they got their own culture. Um, although now, like everyone else, <clears throat> the phones, computers, changing things for them. They they had to marry. You know, uh, who their parents said they had to marry. Um, or they arrange marriage, Very like but then, yeah. you know, uh, and but and things are changing for them too, you know. Uh, even crime-wise, a lot of them don't have social security numbers. A lot of them are born in the house. They they not go, they not they don't go to school. They're supposedly homeschooled, but they, you know they go to school up to like third grade, and their parents pull them out, so they don't want them to be uh, change their culture by being around very ugly kids. So they take them out. They supposedly homeschool them. Um, they're very isolated and insulated. And they, you know, they're taught how to commit a lot of frauds, you know, the the palm reading. Anytime you see a palm reading, palm reading is, is... It's all bullshit. It's right? all bullshit. I went on the cover against the... I took Did out... We tell me this story. You yeah. got to tell me the palm yeah. reading story. These motherfuckers yeah, pop up every two seconds. It's kind of funny. jerk-offs. <clears throat> and I, and I, and I, I know, Mike, I know... There, I, want, I won't even... Say who he is, whatever you know him. Multiple people they believe this shit. Yeah. They they go there like a ritual, and they go, okay, well this line went this way, this line went that way. You're gonna live to seventy eight or some bullshit. Well, what they do is <laughs> they, they you know you're allowed to in New York. Well, how if I get shot in the hand and it went this way? Well, they don't really. <laughs> they use other ways to read you too. No, they don't need your palm. Um, well, New they York, can read me any way they want, right? Yeah, they just got to look at me, and they can tell. <laughs> exactly. They got so the, they got mm, the gift. You have a nose. You got some. You're olive. You're from Italy, yeah. right? Exactly. <laughs> right. You have an accent. Right. You're from New York. Right. Well, you got gold on. Now pay on. me twenty. Yeah. Well, twenty <laughs> is allowed. See, if if it's under the guise of entertainment. Oh wow! It's fine. Five dollars, ten dollars, twenty dollars, probably even up to fifty. You know, it's entertainment. You're being entertained. I'm not saying that this is going to happen. It's when I start eliciting money from you and letting you think that we could change things. That's when it becomes a crime. That's when it becomes a fraud. And that's what they're good at. You know, that's they're taught. The girls are taught when they're young how to do it from their mothers and and um. And what they'll do is, so there was, in New York, uh, back in, so after I left Missing Person, I went to the Special Fraud Squad for a little while. Then I went to Secret Service. But they were uh, defrauding people out of hundreds of thousands of dollars. It was becoming a, it was, New York was. All in this palm thing? Yeah, all in these, in these different, wow. in these different, uh, anytime a person sees a, um, <laughs> you know, a fortune teller, psychic reader. <clears throat> now that's not the same as like a psych. You know, whether you believe in them or not. But the psychic, the palm readers, the psychic readers, when they have their little offices that are colored with, with the beads. Yeah, yeah, you gotta walk through the beads. Yeah, those, those, those are gypsies. Those they don't have. Got some candles. Lit regardless, they don't. They don't have any <laughs> special powers. Regardless of what they look like and speak like, they don't have special powers. But what they do is, when you walk in. So what happened is that a lot of people getting scammed. And now if you just walk in, they'll give you like a $10 reading. That's not a crime. So cops were trying to do undercover work on them, and they were having a hard time because they'd walk in, 
and they get a $10 reading. And that's it. So that's not a crime. Basically, they made $10 off the NYPD. So what I set out to do was give them basically what they wanted, and which was a, a lost soul, because that's what they look for, vulnerabilities. So I would go in, and when they think you're searching for something, now they're going to give you the answers that you're looking for. And what they do is they'll tell you, without reading the palm, maybe they'll hold a piece of jewelry or whatever, um, and they'll tell you... Are you puking while they're doing this? No. <laughs> no, I'm very... Yeah, like in your, um, like uh, in your head, uh, you're no, puking. No, I'm having a good time. Oh, you're all good. just laughing yeah, at It's interesting. It's really interesting. Yeah. Because that's actually sad because we had some victims that were taken for hundreds of thousands of dollars. But Mike, they're the idiots who go in there and do it. Yeah, I don't but, understand how it's a Well, listen, crime. a lot of Italian women get sucked out because but, it's old country stuff. I know, but they go but, in and do it. Yeah, but, you know... I guess there's two ways to look at it, right? Yeah, I mean, they're naive, right? And people, and even whatever nationality or whatever age, um, they're looking for answers. And they're poor, if you think about it, they're poor slobs. If, you know, they're looking for answers, and these people are supposedly going to give them answers. And what they'll tell them is that, and they'll do ha- sl- sleight of hand tricks, which is kind of cool to watch when, you, you know, when you're sitting there getting it done to you. And they'll tell you, well, what's up, you know, what's going, or, or they, they, a lot of times they'll start off with, um, give me, well, give me, I'm trying to think, give me three questions, but it can't be with money. And then, or give me three of your problems or two of your problems, but it can't have to anything to do with money. So it's going to be, well, I'm having a problem with my wife or my girlfriend left me or my father died. And then from there, they'll, they'll extract information from you. And what they'll say is, you're having a hard time Whatever the situation, girl problem, boy problem, death in the family. Because when your mother was pregnant, someone put a curse on her. Or your great-grandmother. And now you're carrying the burden of this curse. Okay. I could get rid of this curse. How do you get rid of it? Well, I get these candles from Egypt or from the Vatican or wherever they get them from. You know, <clears throat> and and the back it, room, this exactly well, yeah, <laughs> the corner store. Yeah, yeah. hopefully they, they don't sell out. Yeah, probably <laughs> not from Amazon. <laughs> and they're blessed. I got they're especially blessed, and they'll remove the curse. However, they cost five hundred dollars per candle. But okay, I can't afford it or or, or whatever. And then you have to think, okay, take this egg in the meantime. Give me the twenty dollars for today. Take this egg. Sleep with it under your bed. Okay, you go, you sleep on your bed, and I'll see you tomorrow, Thursday. You come in, <clears throat> they take the egg, they take chicken livers in one hand, they take the egg in the other hand, they put it there, and they put the curtain, the, the neckerchief over it, or handkerchief, whatever, <clears throat> and they do a sleight of hand, they break the egg, and then the chicken liver comes out of the egg, all this bloody stuff. And, and then they, they guess that was the curse. That's what you have in you. You got to get rid of this thing. Now they'll see size you up five hundred dollars, ten thousand dollars, hundred thousand dollars. Now I'm with you. Yeah, and now, now and now they're done. And so I did. <clears throat> I think I did nine different. Um, for one, I'll tell you, <laughs> one was a really. You ever laugh at one? <clears throat> no. <laughs> one was really interesting. She was actually chased out of Miami because she did a big score, right? <laughs> and what they do is they all know. A lot of them know. First of all, they only have certain. There's only a handful of names, last names, that they use, that they have. 
And they all kind of know each other. And if I get in trouble here in New York, let's say I scam you out of 100000 and either you go into the police or you go into a tough guy or you you all of a sudden now you figure you got scammed, I'll leave. I'll just leave my, all, you know, and my cousin will take it over and I'll take hers over. Now when you come looking for me, she, she's not, you know, she's gone, you know. Um, <clears throat> so they use each other's places. So there was a woman in Miami and she had a couple of celebrities because when she was here, she had a doorman building on Park Avenue. And when I wait, used to wait to see her, I used to talk to the doorman. He didn't know, obviously, he didn't know who I was. And he would tell me, who are you going to see? Uh, I forget her name, but uh, I'm Rita, maybe. You're going to go see Rita? I'm like, yeah. You know who's here yesterday, see her? And I would say, who? And he would tell me. And I'll tell you later who they were. Um, an actor that was a big shot on a Miami TV show as a cop. And a, and a model, a top model. They used to go see her all the time. So they've been let on for years. Good move by her, though. Years. Going in that expensive area, expensive place. It may, because you think, oh, wow, if she's in there, she must be the real deal. Right? And, and they, you know, she didn't, she just basically was probably a psychiatrist, or like a, you know. Therapist. She, yeah, she wasn't, you know. Knew the questions to ask to then play <clears throat> yeah. off of. To and like, they just felt comfortable yeah. and they, you know. But anyway, um, so she used to, she was in Miami. She got chased out eventually. She probably scammed somebody so big that she took off. That's what she did, actually. She made, like, a big $500,000 score, and she left. So now Her she, ass better run. Yeah, so she came to New York, Manhattan, uh, the east side. She used to rent uh, a radio spot at, like, late radio on Friday night. Yeah. Now, you don't... If you're an average guy, you don't realize that they're actually paying for radio time, you know? But she'd pay for radio time. And she'd have people calling other gypsies. Now, they have an accent. Was she on our Space Guy show? He just passed away not too long ago. Remember the guy? I, oh, the middle of the night. I know you had. I know you yes, had to. Yes. Li- I, no, no. What's his name? Uh, Elijah Wong. No, he's too young. Uh, oh my yeah, god, he was, he was the best. He would come on at one a.m. He was great, and you know he was some of the shit. You know was crazy, but some of the stuff wasn't. He He'd had, he had everything. <laughs> He'd have Bigfoot on one week. Oh, what's his name, Mike? What's his name? Uh, it'll come to me. Tell me the story and I'll try to find yeah, it. Yeah, it'll come. Tell me the best um, if I can find it. So, like I said, she stole like 500000 She comes to New York and then she rented airtime on the radio. And she had, so like they have an accent because they have their own language and they have a little bit, it's hard to detect sometimes unless you know them, unless you deal with them. And so she'd have other gypsies call in and ask her questions and she'd give them the answers. But of course they're her friends. So if you're like an average guy in your car at 12 o'clock at night, you say, wow, this bro knows what she's doing. And she's knocking it down. She's, you know, she's 100 for she's 100, great. right? <laughs> and then she'd give her phone number out, and people would call and go see her. And that's how I got it. And it's that's how her. you got her? Oh, huh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's how I got her. Give me another one, because I'm trying to find this guy's name quick. Um, so there was another girl that she had breast implants. When she walked in, they told her she was going to have breast cancer. Oh boy, and she bought it, and she spent so much money on this uh, on them. Like I can't even tell you how much. Um, and because it was obviously she had implants, and the woman told her, the gypsy told her, "You're gonna have breast cancer. You're gonna have problems unless I get rid of the curse." And she spent so much money to get nah, rid of these yeah. curse that don't exist. I I retract my earlier statement that like why arrest them because when you're going to that because I don't know if that woman would have went and got like surgery. You know, yeah, she lost like twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah, fuck, it's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, you can't. Yeah, you, you got to make something happen. Art Bell, 
there you go. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have remembered the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, that oh. was good. Yeah, he was great. <clears throat> so now, what'd you do with the uh, what was it, the Fraud Squad? Yeah, a better name than that, right? It was a special force. Special, yeah, you gotta get yeah. that in there. You know. Yeah. Come on, Mike. Same thing. You're on it. You gotta get that special force. You know, it's a little <laughs> bit of a plus in case you yeah. know. Yeah. So what would you do with them with uh, the fraud? Everything, man. Anything, any kind of anything that was fraudulent or up to no good, we did cases. What what year were you dealing with the fraud? Roughly? Um, probably like ninety. 98, 99, then or maybe a little earlier, 97 to 98, right after Missing Person, right after I dealt with the Berkowitz and Andre Rand, I went there, then I went to the Secret Service. And then what What was, the, at that time, what was the big fraud thing? You know, what, or what was one or fraud. two? It was credit card fraud. Really, credit They were killing the government, you know, they were killing us. With uh, like carding, making yeah. fake cards yes. and all that. The swipe, they'd have, uh, uh, so a lot of, Restaurants, you give the guy your credit card. They were taking a swipe, and it would hold them. It would hold the information, and they'd sell the inf- they'd sell everything, all that information to somebody. Wow! <clears throat> yeah. Now, now they just go online. Yeah, they go online, get the numbers. Right. Or actually, no, they go online and they order them from whatever country, and they get a package of say a thousand cards. Yeah. And maybe. on the dark web, you could get all that stuff. Yeah, the dark, dark web. web. That's what it's called. On the dark web, maybe two hundred of the thousand yeah. work. You know. Yep craziness yep. so that that was the big thing yeah and the nigerians frauds they were doing all kinds of scams they the, still do the thing i always saw up north was all kind a million gazillion check cashing places and not one person walk in and not one person walk out but midnight 12 2 it's popping in there boy yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a lot of a lot of credit, uh check for a lot well yeah the ones <laughs> I, I had a little store you know, like a little store. And I would close at 11. And about 12, right when I was about to leave, everybody would start coming. So a couple of times I would stay late. I was cool with them. They were Haitians. You know, I don't want to fucking problems with them. You know, they're they're vicious, boy. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I was very friendly with them. They were friendly with me. And they, they just, I guess, they had like a party every night with a bunch of girls that came in. All dressed up mm. at the check cashing place. Yeah. Well, yeah, there you go. <laughs> just funny. Yeah, you know? that makes sense. So now after you're with the the fraud squad, how long do you stay there with them for? Um, I was with them about a year, and then I went to the Secret Service, the task force. Now, how was the Secret Service? It was good, man. We did a lot of good cases. Like I said, they were great agents. They were hardworking, man. You know, like I said, I hate to repeat myself, but the DEA guys, great. Secret Service guys, great. I had asked you again about it. <clears throat> I thought maybe you did longer or another job. With no, them and then I stayed with them until I retired in 2003. And so I stay with them till the end. But. How hard was it for you to retire? Um. Well, what happened was I my office was in the World Trade Center, Seven World Trade. Oh wow! So your office was in my there? office was in Seven. Yeah. So I lost a lot. Obviously, I lost a lot. Oh, of I'm stuff. so sorry to hear that. Yeah. Um, if you don't mind, could you take no. me through that day because you were there or in yeah. the area? I was. Uh, what happened was, so I was. I used to make my own hours. I was a boss. I was a sergeant. I had a bunch of detectives under me, and I made, basically made my own hours. So if I wanted to work from 9 to 5.30, because it was, I think, eight and a half hours, if I wanted to go to 10 to 6.30, whatever. Um, so that day I was running a little bit late, uh, but again, I just adjusted my tours. Um, one plane had already hit when I was already home. And at the time, they thought it was like a bad pilot who just screwed up, you know. And then when I was in the tunnel... It was bumper to bumper traffic already, and the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel, which connects uh, 
uh, Brooklyn to Manhattan. Um, the second plane had hit. And by then, everyone on the radio, actually, I was listening at the time to Howard. So was I. Yeah, I was Pam driving Pam Anderson. Yep, yeah, Pam Anderson on. I was driving for Mannheim <clears throat> Auto Auction. I was driving the cars from uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, back and forth. We, wow. we were moving them from lots, right? And right, I had right. stern on because you know everybody get out of the car and try to jump to the exotic one because it was exotic day. Right, so we were oh. moving all the fast cars gotcha. over to the auction. Right, and boom, right down on Howard. Right, he yeah. was yeah, and he actually called he did it a early. Great job. Yeah. He actually said that it was terrorist, probably. Yeah. I thought he did too. Yeah. Um, so I jump. I try to get. I had a police. I had an unmarked police car. I had a siren, but the car don't look like a cop car. And I put my siren on. Nobody was getting out of my way because they just thought I was some jerk with a car with a pit cherry on the top. Yeah. But then the fire truck drove by, and I zipped behind the truck, and I got out of the, out of the tunnel quick. And I just pulled over right away because it was traffic was a horror right out of the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. You're in Manhattan, downtown Manhattan financial district and, yeah. and I just parked anywhere um, at a hydrant and I went into a bodega uh, and I asked the guy can I use your phone because the cells were down already cell phones were down and again this, this second plane had already hit by the, at this point <clears throat> I grabbed the phone he let me use his phone I ID'd my, you know I tinned the guy I ID'd myself I said let me borrow your phone for one minute I used his phone and I called my wife I said look I'm going to the buildings I'm fine I'm just going to help People evacuate. No problem. I leave my car there and I run to the buildings because it was um, you couldn't get there by car at this point. Um, in fact, when it was all over, I couldn't even find my car because I didn't even know where. I forgot. Totally didn't even pay attention where I was parking. Anyway, I run to the buildings. I tin myself tin myself in because they won't let people in. They let me in obviously because again I'm in soft clothes, regular. What's tin mean? Like you show your yeah, I just show my okay. my badge. Um, and I was in like street clothes. I go in and I see FDNY chiefs had like the floor plan on the floor in the lobby of the building. Uh, I start to run up one set of steps to help people come down, you know, because I knew obviously the plane had hit, there's fire, <clears throat> and I couldn't get up because everybody was like coming down in a rush. So I didn't want to impede the traffic of them coming down. So I found a different stairway. Just as I went to the different stairway to go up, and there were people coming down, but it wasn't as violently coming down. When I started going up, the building shook, and the building came You down. were in the building when it shook? When it came down. Holy shit, dude. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I got... Now, now, like, what was that like? When you say shook, like, the whole thing shook? Yeah. I mean, just, like, like, like what's like, going through your mind at that time? Yeah, I didn't even think, honestly, that it was the building coming down. I thought, like, it was an earthquake or something. It Like, you know, that's why, like, sometimes I hear these... Uh, you know, I'm not sure what happened there as far as conspiracy-wise. Yeah. I'm really not. I, I listened to some guy recently, and it's like, holy mackerel. He's got a lot of well, I had, uh, information. I had Rick Prado in his books back there, and he was the head of the CIA at the time. And he had went into Rumps Bush and Rumsfeld uh, 62 days before 9-11. And he told them flat out, the set, he said for three years he was going in there. <coughs> and they were like, come back when you have more. Come back when you have more. It's in his book, and you can watch the podcast. So, yeah. And I'm not talking for him right right right. speaking as what you know i respect him a lot yeah and he's been very kind to me um and he had said you know he had been telling him for three years that there's you know cells all over the place they're practicing you know flying and so on he said all of a sudden he's doing his cia investigation work they all went quiet 
right? All the cells went quiet. Wow. Exactly 62 days before 9-11 happened. He goes in. I always thought it was Bush trying to, you know, create a vendetta to get Saddam. Right. Or ignored it to an extent to get Saddam. But he said that Bush didn't say anything. It was Rumsfeld. And Rumsfeld said, still not enough. And mm. then 62 later, 62 days later, boom. Wow. It happened. But then, you know, you hear, because I had asked him, I had said, well, it looks to me like a bomb was under there the way it came down. You know, because usually when there's a bomb, the way it crumbled. And I don't want to speak for him, but, <clears throat> excuse me, he, he had explained how it, like the weight of the aircraft would have maybe done that. I don't want to speak for him. Yeah. I forget exactly how he worded it. So he thinks it was um, the planes that actually took everything down? Yeah, yeah. The way he explained it makes sense. But I was... I was still in, prior to him, you know, I, I still thought, you know, how to, you know, when you watch them do like yeah. a demolition, that's exactly how it looked. Well, I just listened to some guy. And who the fuck knows? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't like to listen to those things. I, I don't know. But I just kind of forced myself recently within like the last week. And I'm, I'm sorry, just for Prado's, uh, that was his opinion. He, he wasn't sure. He, he just, he had said like, the way that the planes hit and the weight and the fire and everything, it's very possible that it could have happened like a demolition from that. Right. So he didn't sit here and say, no, there wasn't a bomb. He just said, this is how it could have happened. Because I said, it looks to me like a bomb. How could a plane make it drop like that? And then he explained how a plane could make it drop like that. Not that that's <clears throat> his full fledged opinion was, out of respect for my guy. Yeah, Bob, yeah, yeah. No, I who happens to like nice a lot. Who happens to He likes knives a lot. Oh, he does? Oh. Yeah, he's a knife guy. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Don't want no problems, Rick. Yeah. I'm coming for that cigar. <clears throat> so take yeah, this guy said basically about the heat of the, the steel. It would have never... Like, I don't know. It just made a lot of sense. And he has... He it actually does. started this organization where they have 3,600... He's an engineer. And he started this organization that has 3,600 engineers. And they were all on board which 3,600 of anything on board is a big deal. That's a big deal. Yeah, and um, especially my building, Seven World Trade, the way my building went down. And really, they let, they burned, you know, it burned to the ground, you know, and, um, but anyway, I don't, but my, my out of those 3,000 <clears throat> people that are engineers, you're saying? 3,600. 3,600, yeah. that's a lot of engineers. What's their opinion? Uh, it was a controlled demolition. Really? Yeah. That the plane Yeah, and they actually up. found like these, uh, well, Apparently, there's film of molten uh, steel, and he was saying to get steel to do that, it would have to be like a thousand times hotter than than it was, because steel this because they were fire resistant steel, which I didn't even know existed. And he said that it, it, it's literally impossible. I mean, and then according to him, they found um, um, they look like paint chips. I don't know exactly what he, terminology he used for them, but they're not paint chips. And they actually uh, they actually heat up where they actually burn hotter and they had no right being in that building. And they uh, a month, I think he said a month prior, or maybe more, maybe, I don't know, a few months prior, they actually changed elevator companies, elevator repair companies hmm. after being there forever. All of a sudden, they change elevator repair companies. And now, then, now, Mike, how does changing the elevator? Well, now they had access to getting in. 
Oh, they had access. And doing stuff. Because you can't I just see. get into the World Trade Center. I see. Yeah. And okay. he said, they, you know, that's a whole... Uh, and then uh, Silverstein, who bought the building, and he paid more for terrorist insurance than than anyone's ever paid for any building insurance. And he, he bought this terrorism insurance. So he adds all this... Again, I don't have an answer. Well, now let's take that. Let's just play devil's advocate, right? Let's take wait, wait. That's thirty six hundred engineers. Right. That's a lot. Of, that's not one. That's a lot, right. and they're right. professionals. Right. You know, I highly doubt they're going to send B list guys to go evaluate this. Right. Then you have the head of the CIA saying he went in sixty two days exactly before right. it happened, and Rumsfeld said there's not enough information. Right. And Rick says, like, what do you mean? They're all quiet. You know, you're right. 70, buddy. You've been through. Well, what did he want to do with that? Did he want to start taking people down? Yeah, Rick wanted to make it. He he went into the White House to talk to Bush and Rumsfeld to get the okay to get the right. to go whack them out now. You know, right. before something happens. Mm -hmm. So now, if you take that that top guy and he's in the CIA, he's a legend. I've had four other CIA guys in that were they were uh, head of missiles, head of counterterrorism, and every one of them says you had Rick Prado in. He's a legend. Wow. So he's something, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So now if you take that, the 62 days, no, don't do anything. The most respected, one of them, right. from what I know from the other guys, the, the most respected CIA agent that ever there ever was. Right. You know, that's an opinionated opinion. Then you take 3,600 professional engineers. Yeah. Right. I don't know. I know. But you hate to think that we had any. But you'd also hate complicity. to think that we're allowing drugs in here. Right. You'd hate to think that we're, you know, have the border wide open knowing that tons and that that's all cartel controlled for the most part. You know, right. you throw a little, you throw half innocent and the other half are loaded up. You, you hate to think that you would allow that to happen. Right. So now let's pretend that those engineers are right. He goes in 62 days before they say no for some reason. What would be the reason to yeah. go after Saddam? Right. I don't get it. Which to me was the dumbest move ever. Right. What's your opinion on that? To me, Saddam had them under control, and he wasn't really a threat to us. Now you take him out, now they're a mess. They're aligned with Iran right. and whoever else. Yeah. When Saddam was in, he had, I mean, I don't... I don't know. I mean, was it a way to go to war? I don't know. What do you think? If you had a guess. And don't answer it if it's going to get you... No, I'm not, I'm not. I just really, honestly, I don't know. Like I said, I don't even... It's hard to believe that we would be involved with that. But, you know, look at the government now, what's going on. Well, yeah, like, I mean, see, you know, that's how I was. I was like, I mean... Okay. I mean, how could they not go after Hunter's buyer? Right. So know, like, and that's the FBI. And I think the FBI's been compromised. I think they're all compromised. And I hate to say that, but, you know, I know people that work with them. And, um, like, the newer FBI guys are, they're, you know, they have a whole new way of thinking. I, I swear, <clears throat> and I have an open mind, but I, I think, you know, they went up, knocked on the door, two guys in suits with the briefcase. Hey, how's your dog Marty out back? We saw him running. He likes brown bones. How's your daughter doing? Right. How, how's, you know, your kid at soccer? Why don't you take this bag here and just look the other way? I really think that's happening. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Because, how, okay, well, you grew up with mob guys and criminals. How else would it happen? You would have to go to those type of people, pay them off, put fear but, in them. But pay off who? Pen, well, for instance, Pence. To me, he turned his back on Trump out of nowhere. 
And he seemed like, and that the, I don't care about the left and right shit. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just a mess. But he turned his back on him. Right. And he was supposed to be his right hand man right. and this, you know, big Christian guy and everything else. How do you turn your back on him? How does a guy do that? To me, if what he had said prior was true, but which who knows with these politicians, you know. Right, exactly. <clears throat> but if it was, right. how do you get to him? Well, I know your family. I have a bag. Right. Look the other way. And we'll look the other way. Right. I don't see any other possible way that all of it, not just the laptop, not just Pence turning his back. I mean, the list goes on. Mark. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I know. It's That's why it's ridiculous. So what do you think is happening? Um, I gave you my opinion. Now you <clears throat> give me your educated cop opinion without getting yourself in trouble. <laughs> yeah. I'm I mean, just kidding. No, I know. I'm yeah. not. There's no. I'm I mean, I think, I think people might be compromised. Yeah. Shame. You know? I mean, it goes, you know, I think guys are compromised. Um, you know, and why they're so indoctrinated to this uh, this left thinking is beyond me. I mean, just to defund the police and um, all the things that went along with it, it's uh, the colleges, the the professors. I mean, my daughter and my son used to come home and tell me what the professor said. It was like they were... If you said it any any other way, you'd be crucified. Yeah, and they were getting away with it. You know, it's uh, yeah, I don't know, and it's really they look into indoctrinate and and again, all these young guys going on these jobs, they went all they went through four years, maybe longer, of being indoctrinated into that thinking. It's crazy. Uh, it's crazy. That's why you compare the old FBI guys to the newer ones, and I'm not obviously not all of them, but I know guys I work with the guys today and when when they tell me Mike you won't believe the way these guys think they think like <clears throat> they think like the defund the police marches that's the way they think and they're law enforcement they're supposed to be law enforcement so now who would want to be a cop right now crazy you know it's crazy not only you're not getting paid there's no laws really right. in half of the places there's no laws so I mean who would want to be a cop nope you know, it's just, it's almost like it's just all set up. Yeah. It's just one thing after another. And then you got this guy saying he's going to run again. I said I it yesterday. Oh, now she's saying she's going to run. Uh, which one? Hillary. Oh, boy. <laughs> and she's going to use the border, the weakness at the border, as a platform. She'll probably win. <clears throat> I thought, what I thought was, I thought they would, this is my, this is what I thought. You might laugh at this. I thought that... I thought they'd throw Hillary out there, which I saw her start to pop up a couple months ago a little bit, but I don't think it went so well, and they kind of tucked her back under mm-hmm. the rug. I guess she's back up again. Yep. I think they're maybe they're testing her out to mm-hmm. see how she would do or if you know maybe people forgot about some things that I guess the entire fucking FBI, yeah. Secret Service, everybody else forgot about too. And then if she didn't get any traction, I thought Michelle Obama would step up. Yeah. And then I don't. There's no chance for anyone. I don't think there's a chance period for anyone else. It's either going to be. It's going to be them, one yeah. way or another. Or Newsom. Or Newsom. If they let him get in. <laughs> they Can you imagine that? <coughs> I mean, where are we moving? His state is horrendous. Where are we moving? Where 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 are we going? Hey, he go, he gets at the top. Mike, where but where could he be? Go? Any worse, really? How much worse could he be? This guy's well. Over. Well, he well, this guy's got a brain, so he could actually True. take orders better 
you know, this guy's got to get shot up with, you know, a nice yeah. a hell of a cocktail to start to wear out to, you You're know, right. make it through a couple minutes. Newsom yeah. gets in. He can remember with the earpiece what's, yeah. what he's told to do. That's true. And then he could buy a $40 million house on a 400 k a year salary. Oh, and the son could buy a sixteen million dollar house, two hundred four hundred k for his artwork. <laughs> for his artwork that that are millions a piece. Yeah, but he's got no connection to China. It's ridiculous, man. What do you think happens with China and Taiwan? <clears throat> Jeez, I don't know, man. Biden says we're gonna go to war if they. Uh, he's fucking nuts. And then everybody <clears throat> has to backtrack his statements. Well, I think this is my opinion. And this is just from talking to people, definitely not my educated opinion, because it's not, you know, what do I know? <clears throat> but just from the military, he's in the Marines, um, and like TIG and, you know, those Benghazi guys, mm-hmm. and all of them. And the CIA guys and some FBI guys, old school FBI guys, I agree with what they all say. I think right before the 2024 election, China makes their move mm-hmm. because you got Biden in there. Right. You don't know when you're going to get a chance again. And China's patient. They'll wait and wait Absolutely. and wait. Yep. They'll struggle with their economy. They don't care. They want to be world power. So now, right before the 2024 election, they move in on Taiwan. The, the citizens, because we're brainwashed, don't realize what that means if we sanction China. Right. So now Biden's going to have all the pressure, right, already going to be down in the polls, even though they'll play the number game. He'll be down. He's got all that pressure to make a move. Like he's already running his mouth now and they're trying to calm it down before he gets blown up now. And then if he goes and sanctions China even once, they cut us off. Now there's no more this, there's no more phone, there's no nothing. And they cripple us because we've worried about green and if you're a fucking guy or a fucking girl and the Redskins can't be the Redskins or the Washington fucking team. Football team. I don't mean to curse like that, but it's just ridiculous. Thing. I'm a huge football guy. I'm watching uh, the Washington team. The Washington Commanders now. Oh, God. Not, not the Redskins. Is that right? I thought they would have Washington football team. No, I no, thought no, it was they, the they're, team. they're the Commanders now. Oh. Yeah, they, they got it finalized. Oh, went from team to Commanders. Yeah, unbelievable. When when I I would guarantee that the Indians they are pissed. Them. They want No, they want to be Redskins. Yeah. You know, something to them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. that's what we're worried about and giving timeout cards in their army. I didn't believe it. I had no. I said, do you really have timeout cards? Timeout cards. They're not. They don't say timeout yeah. card. But like, say the drill sergeant's yelling at you. Yeah. You can put up a fucking card, then he'll stop. What? Not. They're not doing it in the Marines, right? In the Army. No, they're not doing it in the Marines. I'm not sure if they're doing it in the in the other branch, but no, the Marines is. Still, no, I know it's not the Marines. Yeah. yeah. The Marines. Yeah. In the That's Army. crazy. But now, how are you going to go fight a war? I don't know. <laughs> well, they took out the uh, pronouns, right? Yeah. In the Navy. Yeah. Fucking nuts, man. Now, meanwhile, China's cutting the internet off at 6 p.m. No internet if you have a kid under 14. Wow. So now you have to read. Every male is in the military, right? right? Wow. You know, we're worried about green, what gender oh, you are, what sports names are. Meanwhile, these guys are just sucking down our data left and right. Everybody on that TikTok all day. All that data is going to China. All that Google is going to China. Your iPhone was built in China. It was just put together here. Well, the car, the, uh, yeah, those, every chips. chip, every chip. Every it chip. was a chip shortage four months yeah. ago. It took forever to get a good laptop. Well, I don't understand why we can't make, a, you know, <clears throat> we can. Why don't, why aren't we making our own car chips, the chips that we need? Apple's the only one that did it. They, they made their own M1 chip, M1 Max here in the U.S. And it, it is the best chip. It smashes them all. But, oh, really? Oh, yeah. 
M1 Max chip, and now they got another. But they're the only ones. But just because that that chip is made here now, doesn't mean the other parts are right because it's so cheap. Sure. So right. if we sanction China, they cut us off. And then the funniest thing I hear when I say it is, well, China will take a hit on their economy. Their economy sucks already. Oh, forget it. They don't care. They want to be world power, and, and they don't take care of the poor people the way we do. No, they don't. They don't, they don't care about. They could give two they, shits. They're, they're the rich stay rich. Country. Yeah, they don't care. And then what happens? They <clears throat> align with Russia. And then what happens? They align with Iran. And then we just saw North Korea playing games. Now North Korea. Now you have China, yep. Russia, Iran, North Korea. And us with timeout cards. Yeah. And let's just pretend we didn't have timeout cards. We're still worried about gender and what yeah. you can and can't say. Unbelievable. How do you think that's going to go down? You're going. You think the shells are bad now? There isn't going to be shells. <laughs> it's ridiculous. They know. You know. They smell the weakness. Yeah. <clears throat> that's like when um, Iran had the hostages. With yeah. Jimmy Carter. The minute, the day Ronald Reagan got sworn in, they let the hostages go. Yeah. After a year of being host held hostage, yeah. Ronald Reagan came in. They let them go because they know they can smell weakness. Yep. I mean, they're going to make a move. <clears throat> there's no way that they're not. Absolutely. And, and I think he's going to sanction them, and I think they will cut us off. And then yeah. I think we're really going to have problems. Big problems, yep. And then, you know, then what? Then you have an election. I, 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 whether they win or not, they're going to. Did you see uh, 2,000 mules or 3,000 mules? No. Oh, my goodness. I'll send it to you. This guy had done it. They had trillions of hours, and it was on Netflix. They kicked it off Netflix. It was on Amazon, and this just goes to show you that you think Fox is right, you think CNN is left. They're all in cahoots. Right. If you notice, when they started to cut down on the border because maybe it looked a little bit too bad, all of a sudden you hear the border once a day. Ukraine was all day and all night. Mm. They're still doing the same shit in Ukraine yeah. right now, right. but you hear about it, what, once a week? Right. <laughs> and right. they're all in cahoots. Yep. Well, did you ever see that video of the uh, all the news people saying the same exact phrases? Yeah, they they cut it up, they split it off together. Is that crazy? That's yeah, crazy. I, I seen that. I seen that. Clip. It's ridiculous. It, it's, it's all ridiculous. It's all brainwashed. I know. It's all. What do you think happens with what's the end result with Russia and uh, Ukraine? Man, I don't know. I swear, I don't know. I don't even. I mean, we're pouring so much money into that country. I think we just kind of caught them another yes. $10 billion yeah. Three, and then, three, yeah. Three, I just saw something today, $365 million. And, we're, and our, we're already through the roof. Forget it. And then, and then these guys think Putin's dumb or something. Oh. Putin dumb? I don't think so. You know, I, I think I think Putin is a very, very, very intelligent, smart individual. And this this war with Ukraine, I don't even know why we're involved in it because they've been fighting this shit forever. Let him go, and and he's like a multimillionaire now, the president of the Ukraine. Yeah, he was a comedian or whatever, know. you know. And let him go. Has nothing to do with. I us. mean, we got homeless veterans. That's what I said. That gets me crazy. And what gets me even crazier is when all these people, including a friend of mine, which I respect what he wants to do, but he wanted to go to Russia and get that girl out. You know, I got like 30. Like the basketball player? Yeah, I got 30 friends here in jail that, that for bullshit. Why not worry about getting them out in our country? Not there. She went to Russia. Yeah. She chose to go to Russia. Right. In Russia, CBD is illegal. So what, you're going to go after Putin because... An American went in with his, violated his law. 
what he do wrong? He's been saying for 20 years, he's been there forever, he's going to take the Soviet back. Why are we getting involved? Yep. And then you say, Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. Why don't you say, well, nine times we went there and they're dirty as can be. Yep. Otherwise, they would be in NATO. But they're dirty. Yep, they absolutely. lie. They had nukes all the time hidden everywhere. But you don't hear that. So let them blow each other up. Why are we spending money and getting involved? Oh, it's ridiculous. To then piss off other countries. So now when Putin comes out of this, right, which he will, of course, and he already knows that we handed them how much artillery to kill his people and now they're protesting against him in the street they're protesting against putin in the street because of america right you don't think putin's gonna forget that fuck <laughs> and he's a dangerous dude and whoever takes over if he does die in office is gonna be just as bad or worse just as bad or worse i thought for a minute there somebody would take him out yeah and they still might but they might but he's pretty smart and well protected and i'm sure he's got like you said, he's got plenty of money. I think he fucking owns Bitcoin. Yeah, right. No, I really do. Yeah. I do. But uh, pull up uh, Mike's Instagram. <clears throat> yeah, some cool shit. Or no, pull up the uh, Jitsu. What got you into Jitsu? Um, just, you know, the UFC from 1998, I guess. Yeah. Five. Yeah. Yeah, play this, uh, EK. Oh, that's me and Hensel training, right? Yeah. Turn up. Might not have sound. Yeah, this might not have sound. Oh, uh, that's okay. So what are you doing here? So if, <laughs> for the people the... listening that aren't watching, maybe they're in their car. What are you doing I'm here? I'm trying to choke Hensel Gracie to death. <laughs> are you crazy? <laughs> not not a good idea. No, it's not gonna work. <laughs> yeah. So you kinda got him. Yeah, yeah. He's you know, we had a good good you know, we rolled around pretty good for a while. Now at this point, how long had you been training for Um, this is probably so I've been training over 25 years. So this is probably like, I don't know, 18, 20 years in. Now, are you worn out to death after that 30 seconds or a minute of that? I mean, I've never done it. Um, I, I'm, I could train pretty hard for a long time. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I, I well, yeah. obviously. Yeah, I could go for a while. Yeah. So did you did you still do it? I still do it. Yeah. I went to school in Staten Island. Uh, oh, yeah. You got to see this. Click yeah. on uh, the next tab. Uh, Lennox. So watch this shit. So this, did you see this? Um, I don't know. Is this the guy with the sweater? No, no, no. Hit play. So this, you'll see. So you might have to refresh it. Yeah, just take, just click. So this, this lady's at McDonald's. Look right there. Yeah, put the sound on. Look at this guy. But yeah, yep. That's so funny. What are you doing? That's pretty good. Look at this. Now watch this guy. Watch my boom. Just wait, just wait, Mike. Just wait. I guess the lady came out and somebody tried to take her food or something. Now he starts going crazy. Oh, what, Mike? Oh. See that? Look, no, he ain't done. He's not done. Look at him. Huh. Whoa! Jeez. He ain't done yet. That guy got up and he just dropped. Look. Watch out! 
Oh, 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 boy. Oh, you want more? Man. Mike, look, Mike. <laughs> look at this guy. He just took his shirt off. <laughs> look, he's squaring up. The guy doesn't even have his foot back. Boom. Wow. Good night, buddy. Whoa, whoa, that's a girl. Oh, relax, relax. He wants more, look Mike. <laughs> look, look, look. You just got dropped twice, buddy. Stay at the oh, nice uppercut. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, get out of here. That guy don't look 92. Man. Good for Dude, him. He leveled that guy, huh? Holy mackerel. Yeah. Right. You think he got laid that night? <laughs> you think he went home to his girl and said, hey, baby, uh, I had some problems today. What happened? What happened? Uh, some oh, old guy kicked my ass, and it's all over the internet, and Lennox Lewis posted it. Oh, my God. Oh, Lennox posted that? Yeah, oh, it was Lennox yeah, Lewis. Right. Yeah. Holy shit. You like boxing a lot? Yeah, oh, yeah. Tyson's yeah. a monster, man. Uh, Bat Boss was telling me yesterday, this episode is sponsored by Aurora. Do you know what the fastest growing crime in America is? For years, this crime rate has been surging and affecting millions of Americans. I'm talking about identity theft, and there's a new victim every 14 seconds. Yet despite this, those who have had their identity stolen are often shocked when it happens. That's why I'm excited to partner with Aurora, who is sponsoring this video. Aurora is identity theft protection, fraud monitoring, a VPN, password management, and antivirus software all into one easy-to-use app. Their VPN allows you to stay anonymous online by keeping your browsing history and personal information safe and encrypted. Protect you and your family from America's fastest growing crime. Try Aurora for free for two weeks and see if you or anyone in your family's personal information has been compromised. Start your free trial today. Go to aurora.com slash MSCS. The link is in the description below. They just saw him three weeks ago. Oh, yeah? 95 pounds. They, they, he was doing it a different percentage way, but it comes out right now after 10 rounds. Remember I said before it was 85? 95. So in other words, after 10 rounds of sparring, when Mike goes and hits the pounds of pressure, it's 95. Wow. With left and right. He's fighting Logan. and then Oh, is that right? Yeah, he is. Oh, I didn't know And that. then uh, he, he wants to fight... Uh, uh, champ now Tyson, who's out, who's who's named after Tyson. Tyson Fury. Oh, wow. Fury. I don't know if that one will ever happen, but yeah, the Logan yeah. one's definitely happening. Yeah, but I, he didn't look good against um, Roy. Roy Jones. Yeah, but he could have. Uh, yeah, going, you know, half ass. Yeah, that was yeah that was good for money. You know, I'm good for friends, but the Logan one, I I don't think it's going to be something. I give nice. that kid Logan credit though, man. I think Logan's nuts. But he held his own so far. Yeah, but if he takes... Well, he was a college wrestler, Division yeah. One, So he's an athlete. No, I know, but... Which I didn't really know until, you know, recently. I just thought he was like a Disney. I thought he was just doing Disney stuff before that. But, well, but again, Mike Tyson, if he connects, uh, he might... But he must be thinking... Money? Well, not only that, but he couldn't put um, Jones Roy, away. Nah, he wasn't trying to put it Roy away. He wasn't even trying. No, I don't think he's trying to put them away either. Nah, nah, that would, no, there's they, no way. They were dead. No. Yeah, it was an ex exhibition yeah. type of type of match. Almost had. I mean, I, I I saw it. I think I saw. It. Maybe I didn't see the whole thing, but uh, I don't see Tyson holding back. But you're saying he did. He did. Yeah, yeah. For that particular one. Yeah. You know, but uh, Logan, I think he's gonna put away. I think he's gonna. I, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna knock him out. I think he's gonna be a quick one. Really? Yeah. 
I think he's going to go in low. And you got, you know, we haven't seen, in my opinion, we haven't seen Tyson style in a minute where you go in low and you duck and you take a a ton of blows to the back of your head and he's just waiting for you to get comfortable. And because it's only him, it takes half of one. Even at 56, and you're not getting that. Well, you don't lose your punch. They, they say you don't lose your punch. <laughs> he does not. So, you know. Yeah. Did you see that Canelo fight about two weeks ago? No. He fought, uh, what, Triple G? Triple, triple G, yeah. Triple G. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Who won that? Uh, Canelo won in points. Oh, yeah? I he like said that. he had a bad hand, but Canelo didn't look good to me. I thought Triple G was done third round. Canelo really? didn't look good to me. He said he couldn't hold a glass with his hand. Wow. But he didn't want to say anything before the fight. Right. You know, but... Do you like boxing a lot, or you like? Uh, uh, I I was a big boxing fan, not so much as as not as much anymore. It's not you as know, fun. I came up with Sugar, you know, Sugar Ray, yeah. Hearns, Pepino Cuevas, Duran, Frazier, Fra- the heavyweights, Norton, Frazier, Shavers. How about Ali? Did you watch a lot of Muhammad Yeah, Ali? he was a little bit before me, but uh, you know, well, they were kind of before. Yeah, me. when I used to box, my trainer used to make me watch uh, the Ali Cleveland fight. I forget it, Cleveland something. I forget his last name. Yeah. Well, it wasn't like it was right before that draft thing oh, happened with him. Sure, that's a while. And it was just a like as far as uh, skill, a clinic. You know, yeah, a clinic, a clinic. So like like I was boxing for Golden Gloves at the time mm. actually, <clears throat> and my coach made me watch that constantly because he would go in, hit, bounce back, go in, hit, bounce back. It was a beast. Just, oh, just a beating. What a beast. But back then, you know, they let you drop five, six times before yeah. they call oh, the card. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm watching it for the millionth time, and the, for the millionth time, I'm like, damn, this guy should be calling the fight. I mean, yeah. fuck, how many times you want this guy to get rocked? Yeah. But different breed. Yeah. Look at the, the water-gaddy fight. Yeah. Monsters. Monsters. And they still got up. But I always say with that UFC stuff, I don't know how those guys can handle that. Those leg kicks yeah and the the one the other week did you see that one there was one hell of a leg kick maybe three weeks ago i mean it it was an upset it just leveled oh up. yeah it was the 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 guy that was undefeated right yeah yeah he was he was winning the fight too that's the crazy a, thing yeah he was winning by a mile yeah i don't and remember then, i'd have to see. it yeah, was it, like the last 30 seconds of the fight he took a left uh kick to the face and just instantly knocked him out yep went right down and now they're doing all the thing with uh, well, they shouldn't have played uh, quarterback with Miami. Oh, what do you think of that? Well, I I don't know. I mean, if he passed protocol, he just went down the one time, right? Twice. So the game before. Oh, that flat, was the game. I saw that. The yeah, game before. the one where like they kind of grabbed his neck yeah. and he went down and got hurt. Well, the game before that, he got he got mangled and they put him back in the game. And he was he could barely get up, but they checked him, maybe gave him smelling salts. I don't. I'll know. tell you, man. I, um, was it CTE? Yeah, that that's got to be so prevalent on all these guys, right? But why now? You know, why didn't we hear about it before when guys were playing football with one bar across their face? You know, like Montana. Yeah, he, he's sharp. Jerry Rice, he's sharp. You know, all these guys yeah, that that true. didn't really have good padding. Yeah, that's true. They're okay now. Why all of a sudden is it a mess? Well, we don't know the long term. Well. I mean, they're older now, obviously, Joe Montana and them guys. But um, it's the processed food, Mike. <laughs> Could be the floor. Yeah. Last thing, and I'll, I'll let you out, and we'll go through everything <coughs> again. Uh, you see, uh, they're resuming production on that Alec Baldwin film. I saw that today in the paper. What do you think of that? I don't know, man. The the, the, the worst, the worst situation, but 
I guess good. I hate to even say because it's just such horrible. But you know that movie's gonna go through the roof. That's a low budget film. Oh, yeah, it's a low budget film. Yeah, like like almost an independent yeah, film. Well, he produced it, right? Yeah. So, but now it's gonna go through the roof. Yeah, maybe not. I'm not gonna say it. I won't either. Oh. Of course we won't. We don't yeah. do shit like yeah. that. But but think what think <laughs> just think think around it. You know that yeah, that's maybe, gonna maybe. I don't know. What, what movie is it? It's called Rust. Rust, right? Rustic. Rustic. Yeah, they're they're re resuming it in January. And he, yeah, I don't, that whole thing is so fishy, man. It is really, really. I don't know. I don't know why they're you. Do they usually use live rounds? No in movies. That they don't know how to live round gun the gun. As an invest, now I got it. Now I got to keep you for a little bit longer. Why would someone? Do you think somebody tried to set him up? I mean, it's not, I mean, I can't. I know. Listen, I what's your opinion as a, as a I detective? I don't know, but I know people that say he did it intentionally. I, they don't know. They don't have any knowledge of it. Right. Just their, their opinion. Hypothetically. They think, yeah, yeah. It's done intentionally. I wonder why he would do it. That would <clears> just be that's, fucking stupid. Yeah. Do you, I don't know. And wasn't, wasn't, uh, I don't know. They, they all have pretty A bad husband numbers. had some connection to the government somehow, was a lawyer for somebody. Yeah. I don't know. It's just real sketchy. Yeah, man. I don't know. Go back to uh, Mike's book. Pull up Mike's book and then uh, his YouTube. Yep. It's the Mike's. So there's your YouTube. Get that on Amazon. We'll have the Audible in there too. Go to uh, the next tab. And then Mike's YouTube. Make sure you subscribe. Watch the Gypsy thing. I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> Crime, Prison, Redemption. That's another. The Alphabet. All that. Very good stuff. Mike, do you think if somebody got a felony and they did their time, nonviolent felony, and they did their time, their probation and parole, should they still have that felony on their record, in your opinion? Nonviolent. Well, on their record, as far as what? So if they go for a job, somebody knows that they committed a felony? Yeah. Or so they can't vote? Well, now they can vote, I think. It, some states. Some states. Yeah. But if you do your time and you do your probation successfully, pay whatever fines you need to do, should that felony, if it's nonviolent, stick with you for the rest of your life, in your opinion? I'm just curious, just from what you've been That's through. Good question. So nonviolent meaning, let's just say, for a mistake. Like a white collar. Yeah, like a white collar. Well, let's say, credit card fraud? So now, now it gets messy. Yeah, now you want that guy working, now working that, behind your counter? No. So, okay, so they need to have like different type of shit. <laughs> because like well like if somebody yeah no I hear you. I you understand know, your question but it's a tough I mean like I'd like to know who I'm hiring no that is definitely tough hmm. <clears throat> yeah but what about that person that did all their see now even if it's credit card fraud no even if it's credit card fraud I this is just my opinion mm -hmm. you know yeah. just just take it know. off completely yeah, I, I think yeah if you did all your time if you did credit card fraud but there's gotta be some kind of uh, okay, and you're saying take everything off his record. <clears throat> so now this guy goes for a job. Uh, I don't know, uh, being a financial advisor, handling your money. His his supervisor shouldn't know that he was arrested for fraud. No, because jail's supposed to be re rehabilitation. Remember. So if I get ten years and then I have to do five on probation, why then for the and it's nonviolent? Yeah, I did credit card fraud. I did my time. The judge sentenced me to 10 years. That was my sentence from the judge. The judge could have given me 20. I got 10. I didn't get credit card for it. <laughs> just, no. I, don't, I don't do that kind of shit. No, I got it. But 
that was the sentence from the judge. <clears throat> then that judge, he or she, gave me five or ten years probation or parole. But you still, I'm just going to argue with you a little bit, but you still committed the crime, right? Okay, so you rehabilitated, right? No. But you still. Rehabilitation in there, what are you, crazy? All right, so you, you did your time. Right. But we'll say, for argument's sake, you, you, will not, you will never commit a crime again. You, thought, you think better of it now. But you still committed a crime. Right. You don't think I, as a, a citizen I should know that you committed this crime? It should be a secret? But you're going to use it against me. Well, that's my prerogative. He but may the, not use it against you. He may not. Maybe I do. I'm, okay, out of 10, you know that 8 out of 10 or 9 out of 10 are going to use it against you. Well, but I just did thought 15, out, You should have thought it out 16 years but ago. But I did 15 years You should have thought it out 15 years and a month ago. Maybe. I'm just curious. Maybe. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I don't think... It's, it's a tough one, right? Yeah, I don't you think it's the end of the world if they know. I mean... You don't think so, but if it's, it's, it's right. You if, can't live in a gated community if you got a felony. So if I, you I have a felony and you want to have just... The, you know, you're, you whatever the felony may be, it might be the stupidest thing in the world, right? But you have a felony. You can't live in a gated I community. Well, I don't know how... In Florida, you can't. Right. So now because of something somebody did 20 years... Yeah, or as a kid. Could be 19 years old. Or as a kid. a mistake, right? Yeah, I get it. I or, mean, or maybe... I don't know. Maybe where we could come to an agreement that will never happen, but just if you did your time, whatever, you file a motion to the upper courts and say, okay, look, this is what I did. He or she did their time. We're requesting this, you know, felony be removed, which you can do now, but by the time it gets to where it needs yeah. to get to, you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, listen, I'm not saying it's, it shouldn't be. I, I see your point, though. I just don't know. <clears throat> I see your point, though. <clears throat> you know? I see your point. I mean, yeah. look at some of these guys that are in witness protection. Yeah. The guys, you know, they kill fucking people, and then they're living next door to you <laughs> in a gated community. And then they're going on podcasts talking and about it. And then they're all... <laughs> And hating each other. Oh my God. They hate each other. Unbelievable, huh? It's really crazy, man. You watch any of them? I'm, they, they, sometimes. They, they really, the mob tube or whatever they call themselves? I, I had, I had, I watched a little bit of uh, Leonetti with his face blacked out. Oh, I, that one I hadn't seen. Before. Yeah, I watched a little bit of him. Uh, Sammy, I can't watch. He just looks like a dying crackhead to oh. me. Um, but he's like the number one right I, I guess I don't know I, I don't know how a guy who can involve his own daughter in drug I trade I mean, that's just sick his son his daughter that's just sick you know if you want to do it fine by your own kids I, I, I don't agree know. I, I, I'm against that yeah, all the way yeah. and you're not talking about like a, like a dime bag you know no. they got hit with like 20,000 ecstasy pills and his kids were the ones delivering them yep I believe so yeah after he got away with <laughs> <laughs> he got away with murder. Nineteen murders. Nineteen murders. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, Mike, I hope we can get this out. Get. I hope this turns into a series. You kill cool. it, Thank and when you, it man. does, don't forget about your other little uh, <laughs> wetback over here. <laughs> <laughs> what else they used to call us? Wetbacks. Uh, grease balls. Grease balls. <laughs> yeah, there's one more with the hair I used to get. <laughs> I don't know. We got fucked with with the eyeliner, but I had fun, man. Cool, man. You gotta come back. I appreciate Absolutely. it. And again, uh well Mike's book in the description, the YouTube, make sure you subscribe to his YouTube, get the book, you can get it on Audible if you want to listen to it, and you do feel like you're there. And I'm not saying because I don't want him to arrest me. Because <laughs> <laughs> he can't arrest me right no, now. Those days are gone. <laughs> I mean, I'm not doing anything for you to arrest me. <laughs> All right, Mike. At least you're smiling. Right, Thank you, man. All right, brother. Thank, Thank you. you. I appreciate it. Anytime.